Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of The Collective Podcast. My name is Ash Thorpe. This is going to be episode 70 with the talented Brian Gossett. Brian is a designer, an illustrator, a director. Uh, He's also a father. He's had an interesting career. He's a former designer at The Mill Plus in New York City. He's worked with companies such as Logan, Buck, Motion Theory. He's currently freelancing from Austin, Texas. We talk a lot about his career, his path, how he got there, some funny, interesting stories. I know you guys will really enjoy this episode. Uh, This episode is also brought to you by our current sponsor, which is Squarespace. It's a really great service where you can create your own professional website, portfolio, or even an online store. Um, They have 24-hour support. They have a really great system and a great setup. Uh, You can try it out with a free trial and 10% off if you use the code TCP, as in the Collective Podcast. Check it out. This is going to be episode 70 with the mighty talented Ryan Gossett. Here we go. No, we could just dive right into it. And we talked about um, kind of uh, just want to thank also Bradley G Monk for connecting us because he's been kind of the conduit, the connection between us. And we've actually been trying to do a podcast together for over a year now, I think. It's been a long time. <laughs> you had a baby. I was incredibly busy. Uh, yeah. Both of our schedules got crazy. And, uh, yeah, there was like a lot of hit and miss, but I'm I'm glad that we're able to finally connect and, you know, like discuss a lot of these things. I know that uh, Brad speaks highly of you and I know this is going to be a lot of fun because you've seemed to have had a really interesting career and now you got the, the, the family thing going on, which is going to be a fun challenge and stuff. So, yeah. Yeah. So I just want to thank you for coming on. So thank you. Oh, no, thank you for having me. And, uh, you know, I, I also thank Bradley for getting us uh, connected. Um, I love that guy. Um, How could you not? <laughs> yeah, he's a good friend, and uh, you know, it's just nice that he, you know, he's he's been always inviting me to 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 jump on his projects, and and uh, you know, we're you know we're constantly texting each other goofy, you know, dick jokes and all sorts of crazy things. So it's <laughs> he's a fun dude. He's a fun dude. He is. He. <laughs> Uh, he really embodies the enjoyment of things, you know, like there's no, he just really enjoys life and he lives it to the fullest and he's a good example of doing so. So when I'm feeling blue, like I just, I just call him and it, it just like washes away any, any sort of negativity or, or sort of, sort of animosity towards anything, you know, he's just so positive and so, I don't know, just, just so infectious, his his attitude and personality is so infectious. So, and I try to, I try to live, live like that, you know, and sometimes I, I get, I get a little dark, you know, and he, you know, he, you know, he's one of those people that I have a few friends like this, but he's one of those people that I, I go to immediately to, to bring me out of that, that dark place. That's awesome. Yeah. I'll get there. You know, we all get to those dark places and you, you couldn't tell by my work and my, my general attitude, but you know, I, I you know, I'm not, I'm not sort of, immune to the the sort of darkness that that plagues artists you know yeah that's i mean that's a good thing to talk about because yeah and i think <clears throat> i've been really trying to analyze uh psychologically why you know like really retrace my steps as to why i get into those positions and then having the podcast gets me a better sensibility of other creative minds so what puts you 
in those like those moments of I guess it, it's almost like it's um for me at least it's it's when I'm really fragile. Yeah. In the worst of ways, you know. You know, for me it's it's the creative process it's it's a fun funny thing, you know, you whether you're doing work for a client or doing work for yourself, you're constantly sort of self-criticizing and self-aware of what you're doing and the decisions that you're making and and I find it that like I'm very hard on myself. I'm my hardest critic. And it's good and though, if, right? Yeah, definitely. And and I think that that sort of drive and ambition and being such a hard critic on myself has, has gotten me to where I'm at. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I don't, I don't like, I don't worry about sort of the, those dark places because I know that my work's going to bring me out of it. And I think the process is what makes my work so bright and cheery. Um, you know, it's like struggling with the dark thoughts. And when I'm, th- when I'm t- saying dark thoughts, it's not like I'm thinking about, you know, blood and guts and gore and stuff. <laughs> it's, it's like just... Is it just know, doubt like, and stuff? Like whether you're good? And it's self-doubt. It's, it's am I good? And like, why am I... Who? Why did they even hire me? And what, am <laughs> I, what am I doing? And I, I look at my, my work, my website, and sometimes I'm just like, oh, God, I just want to... I just want to take it down and start all over from scratch. And I've done that, you know, twice. <laughs> and right now it's kind of like, um, I feel like I'm finally getting to a place where I like where my work is going. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I think it'd be fun to talk about how, how I got there. Please. Yeah. <clears throat> but, you know, it's just one of those things where you, you're, you're fighting against yourself and, and your, and your sort of opinions on things. And, you know, when you have these problems to sort of work through, you know, whether it's a client wanting to promote some sort of uh, product that they have or whether you're just like, you know, wanting to do a cool personal piece, you know, you're, you're constantly figuring out like the, the, the questions and you should always be questioning yourself and, and, and the, the work that comes out of it is, is the answers hopefully. Right. I mean, yeah. So, I mean, it's just, it's just an interesting process. I, I, I love reading about people's process and, and looking at it, like people have blogs and they talk about their process. Um, I'm, I'm always a sucker for that. And I love your podcast because, you know, a lot of the, the people that you've interviewed, you know, it's either like you feel solidarity because they're like going through the same shit <laughs> yeah. or they have some sort of other way of coping or dealing with it or, or, you know, working through it. And it's, it's always fascinating to hear that. And, you know, I think, um, that's what's great about your podcast. And, and that's why I was really excited about, you know, talking to you. Uh, because it's, it's almost like a therapy session. in a way. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've been finding I actually have been going to therapy and it's been really helping my mind and it's helping me with my empathy and understanding of other people's situations. And it's helping me. I'm actually studying my therapist as she speaks to me. So I'm pulling all these things, these traits that she's giving me and then I'm trying to apply them here to yeah. help to help to help other people and also understand what they're going through. And, 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 that, and I appreciate it. And I, thanks for noticing it. And I think that's really one of the other goals I think that we're trying to get after is just really understand. That, that's what I was saying. I was trying to understand um, psychologically really what is happening when, when one is filled with doubt um, because I go through it constantly as well. Um, yeah. yeah. You know, I think every, it's like every day I'm relearning how to be a the person that I'm trying to be, you know, it's like, yeah, it's, exactly. It's like, <laughs> yeah, I, I forget sometimes like just the simple things of 
you know, how to, how to respond to an email from a, a client, you know, it's just, there's just so many aspects of what we do it, on a social level. It's, it's like, it's stressful just thinking about the politics, uh, inner office politics, uh, you know, which fortunately I, I'm not dealing with quite as much now, uh, working from home, um, and leaving a, a very large company. Um, but all of those things, you know, they just start to pile up and, and it's, it's, you kind of have to have these cathartic sort of sessions, you know, whether you're talking to your, your, your significant other or friends who are, you know, sort of in the fire with you. Um, or just, I, I like to talk to friends who, who actually aren't in the industry, you know, to, sure. to things because I don't get into specific things about like what's bugging me, but it's good to just talk about frustrations, uh, from a sort of global standpoint and, and hear their sort of things, you know, of what they're dealing with on, on, in their jobs. And it's just always interesting to hear how they deal with it. And I don't know, it's just, it's, it's, it's fascinating, you know, to break down how you, how you sort of overcome these, these, ad, ad, you know, adversities and, it's and sort of them. yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, it's, it's, I've always sort of struggled in this industry, you know, just to get to where I am. Um, you know, like my, my first job that I got as a designer, um, I don't know if, if I should start there or go even further back, but, um, you know, we could jump around, but the, the first job I got out of school, um, and you know, I graduated from the university of Houston, uh, in Texas. Yeah. You're a Texas dude. Yes. Yes. Uh, born and raised. This is a huge um, design community out there. <laughs> well not 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 in houston but i am finding in austin austin yeah austin i know i was joking but austin is uh yeah yeah no it's 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 a great like sort of thriving community and, and it's an emerging community uh which is exciting to be a part of but um in houston uh out of school it was it was very sort of depressing in terms of like uh you know and I think it's gotten a lot better now from what, you know, other, other people that I went to school with, you know, they're, they're, they're saying that it's, it's definitely improved. Um, I don't think it's probably up to the, maybe the instructors or something are better. Or. Well, actually, you know, I don't want to badmouth my school. I had a great group of instructors at U university of Houston. All of, almost all of them from, were from Cranbrook, uh, which is this, uh, it's this really great design school, uh, that, that focus mostly on conceptual um, sort of thinking, um, and they they just sort of embodied, you know, everything that uh, I think is important in design, which is you know the ideas come first, and the execution sort of supports the ideas, and without the ideas, it's just pretty pictures. So they they instilled that from uh, very early on in, in my in my schooling, just um, in terms of embracing not just the technical aspects of what we do, but the sort of cerebral aspects and, and coming up with the great ideas behind it and, and doing all the research. Um, do you find it hard to deal with that when you're starting out? Because I had a little bit of that in college too. And I was like, you know, fuck off. I just want to draw. <laughs> and that was my big problem. I had no patience. I would totally love it now because I'm big on ideas and stuff. But I think I was hungry for it in school because I had, I've been drawing all my life and and by the time I got into college, I, I started off as a fine arts major, 
um, I was, you know, painting and drawing and doing charcoal and, and pastel work and, and even started to get into tangible objects where I was painting them and mounting them onto other objects and building like sort of weird sculptural things. Um, and it was all for myself, you know, for the first couple of years in school or first year and a half of school. And I was also taking photography. So everything was just sort of for myself. And I was starting to feel hungry. Like I need, I need a new challenge. I need something more than just making art for myself or making art for art's sake. And, and I had a what? friend. <laughs> yeah, no, it's crazy. Oh, no, it's I, had, uh, I, had, I had this friend, uh, Joel Gabiola, in, in my photography class who – who was telling me like, hey Brian, you gotta you gotta try design. You gotta try graphic design. I think you're gonna really like it because you get to do all of what you do in this other stuff. You get to draw, you get to you get to paint, you can, you know, use whatever medium you want, but you get to like put it all together and and put ideas behind it and communicate sort of these different things. And I was like, wow, that sounds really fascinating. So I took a, an introductory to it and and I had, you know, limited this is, this is, you know, late 90s, uh, probably like 98 or so, uh, maybe 97. Um, so design as a profession was, was very uh, – print design was, was sort of rolling at this point, but like motion graphics was, was just a baby. And uh, the only exposure I had to motion graphics was, was I, I took a date in high school to C7, and I was like, whoa. <laughs> what the shit? Yeah. Date? Fincher is amazing. Did you see that thing that he did at the beginning of the movie? And I thought David Fincher did that. Yeah, everybody thinks the director does all the good stuff. Yeah, later in college, I found out uh, that it wasn't actually David Fincher. It was uh, Kyle Cooper and and, and Angus uh, uh, Wall from from Elastic A52 as the editor. Those two guys are the ones who put that together and made it sort of this amazing sort of opening for the film. Um, But getting sidetracked here, but I, you know, I, I, I tried out the introduction to graphic design and I was just like, holy shit, this is amazing. I, I, I love this. I fell instantly in love, you know, um, That's awesome. you know, the first assignment was like, the teacher was like, bring an example of graphic design that you like. And I was like, oh my God, I don't know. Like I had no idea. And I went back home and I had this blue note records calendar on my wall that I loved. It was just beautiful images and typography. And it was really all I knew about design, I guess. So I, I brought it in and my teacher was like, this is a great example. You know, look at the, you know, the composition, the negative space and how, you know, Reed uh, Miles is the, uh, the designer behind all of this. Um, he's an amazing designer, still very influential on me now. But he, uh, he just had this knack. And this was way before the computer. This is in this, you know, 50s and 60s and 70s that he's doing these beautiful album art um, just very modern um, sensibilities to to what he was doing, and it just fit the music perfectly, and it just encapsulated like everything that that jazz music was from that time period, and and it was just like I was hooked, you know. And my first project, I was bringing in photography that I was shooting, and 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 you know they didn't let us use the computer for the first two years of design school, uh, which is amazing. Like we were doing everything by hand, you know, we were cutting everything out, exacto knives. I was tracing letters from, from, uh, you know, letter set books, uh, and then resizing them using photocopiers, you know, I'd resize the typography and then I'd trace them over again, to yeah. get, you know, sharpness. So we were doing everything by hand transfers, like ink transfers where you, you buy this sort of piece cool, of, though. 
wax shit and then you rub it off and then it transfers an image. Uh, so you have to kind of know if it needs to be a certain uh, direction, you know, you have to make it backwards to, to make it, because when you transfer it, it reverses the image. So all these things were like, you know, new to me, but then I found out two years later when we started getting on the computer that I had to like basically unlearn all that stuff in a way. <laughs> it, still, it still was like crucial to the process sure. and people that we did that, but um, it was it was nice to finally get on the computer and and that opened up a whole new world too. Yeah, so, <laughs> yeah. I, the computer and the transition is huge, but I think that it's cool that you cut your teeth on the traditional way because. I don't know. I think that there's there's a process, right? It's a process of of kind of understanding what it is that you're supposed to be doing, rather than going directly into the computer. I find that yeah, there's 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 obviously there's some amazing amazing talent out there, but I think sometimes um, things get lost in translation when it comes to the computer, uh, especially artists and designers that are coming straight into the computer, like myself. It, I had to unlearn a lot of things and, and being around the guys at Prologue and stuff, just learning a couple of ways to kind of go backwards a little bit Yeah. to, to pull that energy from the, the original dudes, you know, but you talked a little bit about influences and stuff and you talked about like seven and, and, and these other designers that did album art and stuff like that, that would influence you. Yeah. What is a, what is a good What's a good influence? How do you like understand what is an influence? How to pull from it rather than copy it? Like, what's your process with that? Because I know that working in in, in with big places like the Mill and other studios, the pace is so fast that you have to be very yeah. on your toes every day, and and you know time is money, and it's a big business, and it's costs a lot, and and you got to really go fast, and you're obviously going to be you know, pulling together as much as you can as reference and influences for the client to see what your idea is. Where, how do you play in that world? You know, because that's another big concept that we don't talk a lot about is your influences and, and then also professional, how to create original content, but also be influenced by the favorite, your favorite work, that kind of stuff. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, it's it's funny because I, I draw influence from, so many different things, you know, um, I, I try not to, I try not to, to put all my eggs in one basket when it comes to, to influences and references. And, and, and it's not just image makers and, and sort of storytellers either that, that influence me or inspire me. It's, it's so many more like sort of components to the process that, that inspire me. You know, um, I mean, I could, I could kind of go through where where it all sort of started from, you know. I mean, when I was when I was a, a younger artist, you know, I started with comic books and and video games, and those were sort of some of the comics and the games that you're into. You know, like Todd McFarlane was such a was yeah. such an influence. Well, how old are you? Because if yeah, because I, I it's it's sad, but I just turned thirty six. So okay, I, that's not I, sad. So yeah, we're, we're five years difference. I'm just trying to get a better understanding of where yeah, yeah. how totally. your influence came in because Todd was really big when I was a young kid. Like he, yeah, yeah, he was kind of like the anti-hero of comic world. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, I I was a huge huge comic book nerd uh, back <laughs> at that age. It's funny because I'm not quite as much anymore uh, because it was just it was just one of those things that I was really into uh, at that age and and I sort of. I don't want to say I grew out of it, but I just, you know, you change, you know, and some people stay the same and they, they, they still like the same things that they, they liked in high school. I mean, there's this famous quote 
uh, I can't remember who it was, but they basically said that everything that you like at the age of 15 is what you're going to like the rest of your life. Something to that effect, right? <laughs> but I've always been this weird anomaly, I think, where it's like my tastes have always evolved and changed. Hmm. And and so has my sort of, I guess, my style in a way. And, and I feel like, you know, we can get into it, but um, there was definitely a project where I was kind of like, it was that as a professional, as a project that it was kind of like that aha moment, that epiphany where I'm like, this is the kind of work that I really want to do. But, um, you know, going back, John Pound uh, is a huge influence on me still to this day. So I guess I've kind of stuck with some of my influences. John Pound is the, uh, the original artist of the garbage fail kids. Um, Yeah. (laughs) He, uh, he did the entire first series and second series. And then they brought in like Tom bump for the third and fourth and fifth series. And then they started bringing in more artists as, as it gained more popularity. But, uh, but pound was just like my, my hero for a while. Just everything about, his, you know, from seeing his thumbnails and and then how he he sort of rendered them out as a final piece of art, and the way he shaded with with his acrylics were really awesome. You know, just seeing his hatching, he he had shades with with his acrylics, and the cards were so small, and he painted them very small. So like all the details that go into them were very very small, and and he was a quick artist too because he was having to bang out like forty of these things in a month. Yeah. You know? savage so, <laughs> yeah and and you should pick up the the book yeah, the garbage Pope kids book that, oh, yeah. that they just released it, it's really cheap it's like probably like 12 bucks oh yeah buy it right now like, there's a great uh sort of forward um in the beginning and it and, and it sort of talks to some of the artists um of of the garbage Pope kids era the beginning era of them and it's just fascinating to hear how quick they had to work and it's sort of makes sense that he's still an influence on me because the work that we do has to be so quick. Um, so I, I, there's just something about that. The fact that he made these things so fast and they were so cool and beautiful and, and so iconic for me as a kid. And I still look at them. I don't collect them anymore. I know a lot of people my age still do actually. Um, but you know, up until like the college years, I was still kind of collecting them. You know, once eBay kind of, uh, became accessible in, in the late nineties, uh, eBay took off and I, I kind of had a resurgence of my collection of garbage Girl kids. Like I bought a bunch of unopened boxes and I finished all of my series and, and then I got really deep into it where I was like making sure that I had like every card was mint condition. So I got really, really granular with it. Um, but it all spawns from the art, you know, uh, I think that's what really drew me in was, was how creative it wasn't just the art either. It was like the ideas behind it. Like, coming up with clever copy, which is the name. Yeah. And then putting a twist to that name and giving it some sort of contextual sort of like meaning behind it in a gross way that is going to appeal to kids. Yeah. And specifically boys, I think, you know, I think it was a <laughs> boy thing, you know? Oh, it hit perfectly. I was a huge fan of them when I was growing up. I just, I loved them. My mom hated them and that made me love them even more. And it was just like this awesome thing that I enjoyed along with like my comic books. It's just like this gross little thing that I had on top of it. And it was, yeah, yeah his render style. It's really cool if you, if you think about it, how many, um, the guy's probably drawn more than like 50 artists, you know, in his, in his career. Oh, yeah. Like just the amount of content that that person was able to push out. And it's it's really awesome. It's cool to see how 
that affects your work because really it breaks down to 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 how much you do, right? I mean, it's all about how much work you put in and how it all equates to everything else. And it's just, I just find it really interesting um, to look at guys that are on that this kind of level that have created so much content and had to be so busy and, and working so hard, you know? Yeah. I wonder what happened. Do you know what happened to him after this stuff? Well, you know, it's funny because he was, he was just like an artist illustrator type guy. And he, you know, he had small clients up until then. And he worked on staff at, at on staff at a, at tops before he was doing wacky packages before uh, the garbage focus series. But then he went freelance and then tops commissioned him to do the, the garbage bill kids and, you know, the wacky packages had its own aesthetic and he did work before that, that sort of had its own aesthetic. There was definitely like a voice behind it, you know, sort of this sort of quirky, weird, weirdo vibe to it. Yeah. Outsider art or, you know, sort of, um, it was definitely art, outsider art. And I, I think that afterwards, you know, he, he was getting a lot of commissions from other clients who wanted something very similar to the Garbage Pail Kids. They want, you know how it is, you know. You yeah, <laughs> like there's, men, there's money over here, there's attention, let's get on Yeah, there. you know, it's like, I'm sure you're, you're going, you know, once Lost Boys launches, you know, there's going to be people who want Lost Boys, but for their, but for their, you know, their car or they want it for, the, <laughs> you know, it's. I hope so. <laughs> That yeah. sounds amazing. <laughs> Lost boy I think, car. I think that's what happened to him is that, oh, I love, we love the garbage co kids. Now do it for our telephone. Sure. For our, you know. No, that is though. Even in, with our careers, you know, like we look at, oh, this is really popular. Like look how many people redid the seven titles. Talking about seven. Think about oh, yeah. how many movies he saw like a year after that where it's just like, you know, crazy glitchy edits and like macro and all these like sensibilities you know it's 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 very true it's i think what it is is clients and people in general can only buy what they can see and you can't exactly. fault them you can't fault them for that no no, no you can't but it's just it's just funny that's why i'm big i'm really big on this with anybody i say any art anything that you want to do please just do it because yeah. the mo the time that you're putting against the thing that you're supposed to be doing is just countering what you're inevitably inevitably going to do, and it's going to self-propel. Like say you say you 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 really want to do like title sequences, but you're designing websites just to make ends meet. I say okay, that's good. Pay the bills, focus on that, but spend two hours a day just building a portfolio so that you can go work at a big studio that can like fulfill your destiny. You know, like because yeah. people people if they see that you do websites, they're going to pay you for websites. You know, and like yeah. yeah. And that's just a big part of it. It takes a big change. It takes a lot of work, I think, in order to, to have that confidence and stuff, which goes back into what I wanted to talk to you about was, um, and, and sorry, I didn't mean to cut oh, off the, uh, the John, John's Pound stuff, but um, you've recently left the mill and now you're back to Texas because you started from Texas and then you yeah. left to LA and then now you went to, you went to New York then, right? <laughs> LA. Yeah, yeah. I was I was in LA for about eight years, and uh, I. How do you like that? I, I love I love I, I love Southern California, and I love I love Northern California too. And I think eventually mm -hmm. we're going to try to move back to, to Cali. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I mean, I, I fell in love with it, and I, I always wanted to live in New York. Uh, you know, in high, in high school and college, I got. This this notion that I had to I had to be in New York, you know, and especially in college when uh, I, I saw what sort of design studios were available in Houston to work at, and it was kind of depressing. Um, 
And, and you know, not to knock it again, but it was, I, I guess it's just because I've always had these big dreams, these lofty goals and, and very ambitious. And I, you know, once we got into motion graphics in, in college, um, I wanted to, I wanted to get into like film titles. Uh, that was kind of one of the things that, that was really taken off uh, towards the end of my school was, was the film titles, you know, Kyle Cooper was everywhere and, and he came, he, he and a couple of the other guys from uh, Imaginary Forces, um, this was before Prologue, uh, he came to, to, to present uh, their work at this, uh, the River Oaks Theater in Houston um, and I got to meet him and a couple of the other guys from, from Imaginary Forces and they showed some of their titles and it was like I was hooked. Yeah. It was like, it was like a drug, you know, they gave out the sample and I was like, <laughs> I've got to have this. I've got to have this. Uh, it was just so cool, you know, because it wasn't just one still image anymore. It was nope. a sequence of images that, that, you know, come one after the other and they, they create this story and they, they create like a tease for the film that's coming up, you know, that you're about to watch. They create a mood, they set the tone, they, they set the table, you know, that's it's what, like, a, it's what a good title sequence does. Yes, absolutely. And, and, and I was just like, this is what I have to do. And then I found out that nobody in Houston was doing that. So I'm like, okay, <laughs> awesome. So I, I guess I've got to be in California. Yeah. Um, so, or California or New York. So I, I, I was like, I've got to get there somehow. I don't know how, but I'm going to get there. And and it took a bit. You know, I, I, I got a job um, as a designer in Houston. It was a, a print slash web studio. And we did, you know, some corporate branding stuff. And we did some kind of fun, exciting projects that, that the owner of the company, I think, would just sort of make up for us when we were slow. But she made it seem like it was a real job or potentially could be a real job. But I, I, didn't, I didn't really care, you know, because it just gave me a chance to make cool stuff and, and have fun. And uh, I, I ended up getting fired from that job. Um, sorry if I'm off track. I know we're... It's, it's okay. No, man, there's no, like I told you, there's no, there's no pattern to this. It's just yeah. us having a good conversation. So don't, don't, don't apologize. It's okay. No, I mean, uh, I just wanted to kind of paint the picture of how I got to Cali in the New York, but, um, please, please. I, I got fired from that job because, uh, it's a funny story. Um, <laughs> put your ass on the copier or something. Almost as bad as that. Oh, great. The, the, the owner of the company, she was insane. She was like clinically insane. <laughs> Everyone sort of knew this and it was like walking on eggshells working there where it's like, you, you really couldn't say anything um, that was in, of any sort of, could be seen as offensive to her. So um, like what? I, Breathing? Just, yeah, no, no, <laughs> exactly. What was is I have this throat clearing thing uh, where I clear my throat when I'm working, it, it's, I think it's a nervous tick kind of thing. What is it like? <clears throat> you know, kind of, <clears throat> you know, yes. and I think I do it uh, sort of without even being aware that I'm doing it a lot. Uh, yeah. I think now I'm a lot more aware of it because, <laughs> you know, of key moments in my life like this. So she, she couldn't stand it. She emailed me. She's like, what's wrong with your throat? You need to, you need to go to the doctor. Are you sick? And I'm like, no, I'm not sick. I, I've been doing this since I was <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I'm sorry. And she's like, well, it's really hard for me to work. And I have headphones on and I'm listening to music. And I'm just like, well, I'm really, really sorry. And then uh, just like, I'm moving your, I'm moving your workstation to the other side of the studio. And it was like this long warehouse studio and all of the designers and, and, and uh, art directors were on one end of the studio. And then there's a long hallway that had like bathrooms and then like a server room 
and then like a storage room. And then on the other side was a big open space, which was her meeting room, her conference room. And she was like, I'm moving you to the conference room. <laughs> and I'm like, wow, okay. So uh, Bob, who was like the, uh, the sort of tech guy there and a friend of mine, he was like, man, I'm so sorry. She, she, you know, she wants me to move her computer. So I had to like shut down and everything. So he moves it. And this was on a Friday, right, that this happened. And over the weekend, you know, Houston in the summertime is, like, notorious for, like, torrential downpour and rain. But um, it rained, like, crazy that weekend, like, thunderstorms, uh, tornadoes, and et cetera, et cetera. Hell yeah. Come back on Monday, and there were no leaks in the office except for one place. And it was directly over where she moved my computer oh man <laughs> so it leaked all over my my g4 um and was that your personal computer no no this is the studio's computer okay um and it leaked over it and it kind of fried it out and i was just kind of like giggling and she's like what's so funny i was like uh i i feel like it's kind of funny it's like car karma you know i mean and she was just like well, what do you mean i was like well you know you moved me over there and, and it's, it's just not fair. And, and this is karma. And she was just like, she, you know, she was just like really mad. She like stormed off to her, to her desk and she sent me an email, which I couldn't even get because my computer was fried. <laughs> she sent me an email firing me and I didn't even get it until the next day. She, she comes over to the station that I just kind of sat at because my computer was fried and I sat at this other computer waiting, you know, to just start work again. And she was like, you didn't, you didn't get my email. I'm like, no. And she's like, well, um, you need to read your email. And it was funny because she couldn't yeah. just take me to the room and fire me. Yeah. She, she's like, you need to, I'm going to get Bob to log you on. So like Bob, like, <laughs> like start a new login on this new oh. computer. And then I got my email, and the email's like, "You're you're terminated." <laughs> ah, she is terminator. And I was like, terminated oh, for insubordination, and I'm like, "Oh my god!" Wow. And I feel bad for I that person. Yeah, and I wasn't surprised because she had, she was kind of on a tirade. She fired a couple other guys within the last like month or so, and all the other guys were we were all getting a little cagey. You know, we we're like, "Oh man, like you can't do anything. Are you going to piss off you know the dragon?" <laughs> And yeah. she's gonna get fire on you, and she did. <laughs> she she scorched, she scorched me. So I was like, "Oh shit!" Now I have a job. <laughs> There's it's weird how that works. So it's it's a it's a weird psychological thing that actually happens between a an employee, uh, an employer, and that dynamic. It's really challenging. I recently had uh, Jay and Leah from Giant Ant, and they they really seem to have a. I don't work with them. I haven't worked with them. I don't know firsthand, yeah, but I, 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 I really would love to work with those guys. I love what they do. It's they just you know like yeah it's exactly and 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 they just have just a really great understanding of of a holistic kind of way of approaching um, the workspace and stuff, which I really admired and I thought was great. But I have worked for tyrants. I've I've dealt with that. And yeah. I, and looking back on it and, and hearing the story about what your experience was, it almost makes me feel really sad for that person. Um, all, all, you know, all things aside from like the, the raw emotion of being like, what an asshole, but like thinking about like, wow, it must be, she must've been going through some heavy stuff maybe, you know, like things that unknowing to you and, and the tyrants that I've worked for, you know, they must've been going through some, you know, maybe like personal debt or like, 
you know, unfulfillment or feeling trapped, but then being surrounded by the things that they hate the most, which is like their employees, because it reminds them of their trap inner entrapment, you know, like just like things like that. Yeah. I really try to think psychologically because uh, if I can be very mature and, and put my um, insecurities and, and stuff aside, then I start to really understand and analyze the situation. And, and then I start to have empathy and then I have a more mature approach to like how to problem solve, you know? Yeah. That's, that's always very challenging to do, especially when somebody's taking like food out of your fridge, you know, <laughs> like you're just like, ah, <laughs> I mean, I was so young. This was, you know, I was in my early twenties and you know, I mean, honestly, I probably wouldn't have handled this situation the same way now, you know, but I was just, I was young and, and that was the sort of first thing that came to my mind was like, Hey, it's karma, you know, yeah. that's, that's, that's payback for moving me over there. Sure. But honestly, like, I think it was, it was the best thing that I always look at these situations like as, as opportunities, you know, I try not to, to, to get too down about things. Um, because a few months later after that, you know, and I went to freelancing after that and, and, uh, I was able to kind of cobble together a website and, and I got this opportunity to, to go work as like a, a senior designer at this, this web agency in LA <coughs> that does like movie websites. And I was like super stoked, you know, and because I just love movies so much. And, and that was kind of a big thing at that time period was, was the movie websites that it was like, you know, Flash was kind of coming, you know, coming to like its its pinnacle uh, at the time. That. <laughs> now it's now it's like you dread it, but <laughs> yeah. But, uh, back then it was just like, oh, you could do anything with it. You, and everyone was creating these experiential sites, and uh, Gabe Rubin, uh, who was working at this company called Sixty Five Media, was like, hey, um, and we knew each other from this website called News Today, which is this this uh, website that's no longer around, I don't think. Um, but we, you know, we became buddies just, you know, by chatting on the forums and, and he was just like super nice guy. And I, I loved his work and he was, you know, super gracious and, you know, giving me advice and what to put on my website. And, you know, he was really good about giving me critiques and stuff. So That's I really, awesome. I really took uh, a lot of what he said to heart and I, I did this new website that I cobbled together and he was just like really impressed with it. And he was like, Hey, I'm actually leaving this this position here and they're looking for somebody to replace me. Would you be interested in it? And I was like, hell yeah. <laughs> you know, because it, it was like LA and it was like, sure. well, I wanted to get out, out of Houston and, and try something new. So, um, I was just like, yeah. And, and they, they called me up and I did the interview and they basically hired me from the phone interview and, and they were just like, yeah, you come on out. And this is, I wasn't like, at a point in my career where like I expected any, anybody to pay for me to move. And, and, you know, so I had to pretty much put everything, uh, every penny I had into, into moving out there. So I, I, and I had to borrow money from my parents because I didn't have enough money to move. It was, it's just expensive to move cross country. Yeah. You know, it costs like three or $4,000 and I didn't have that at that, at that time. And, uh, I moved out there and, and I, I was just like, Oh my God, this is amazing. And, and I was working on websites and, you know, I did like, you know, uh, this, the Serenity website and, you know, working on, working on websites for films that weren't going to come out for like almost two years because you know how it is. You've worked on films before. It's like you're working on things way before, 
you know, you get any, like I was working on these websites for movies before I had any assets from the movies. Like I, had, <laughs> yeah. so you're, you're kind of like stabbing in the dark, you know, <laughs> you yes. go and watch a screener of a film without VFX and it's like <laughs> actors, actors interacting with like, you know, like stick, you know, eyeline sticks and all sorts of fun, fun stuff. So it was, it was kind of a fun experience for me, you know, and not having experienced any of that, uh, of the industry of the movie industry. So I was peeking behind the curtain for the first time. Yeah. It's really funny. Those situations i found myself to be really like a lot of people are just people unaware, unaware of this industry would think that, yeah, you know, you work in a movie and there's all this, like, you know, there's, there's cupcakes and like all these things, you know, like this, is, <laughs> it's just like <laughs> unicorns and fucking rainbows and shit. It's like, no, it's not like that at all. It's just absolutely the opposite usually. And it's due to, it's due to just how massive and, and fast the machine runs you know it's just everybody's just trying to catch up with it and everybody's you know three weeks behind in or two months behind or over budget by like 20 percent of the budget and stuff it's it's like (laughs) it's usually out of control that's just the process of it but that's just funny that you've encountered it as well so well it was funny for me going out there and taking that job was because like it was i've always kind of thrown myself into the unknown and, and it's what i like to do i i mean i literally had no I had a little bit of web experience working at that company um, in Houston, but nothing had ever really been made. You know, I never had a website produced. You know, I, I would design some comps for uh, you know some fake clients, and you know, one of our fake projects at that company in Houston was like the Cirque du Soleil website. So I had that on my website. So they saw things on my website that that said like, oh, well, he's he kind of gets it. But I get out there and I kind of realized that like. I, I thought I was doing well too. Like my comps were winning, you know, I won pitches like where my, my comps won the job and we'd get to make this movie website. And, uh, but I guess apparently I, I wasn't getting it because three months after starting there, they call me in and they're like, yeah, we're, we're going to let you go. We don't feel like you're, you know, you're, you're up, up to the standard that we, we, you know, we hold here. And I was just like, so surprised. It was like, like the other job getting fired was like kind of like whatever, you know, I don't care. I'll, I'm young. I'll find another job. This one was like, Oh shit. I just spent all of my money to move out here. I'm fucked. <laughs> you know? It's a good place to be though. But yeah, totally. not that, not the time. That's a, it's a horrible, fearful experience, but it puts you in adversity instantly. I think, I think you, you, you know, you kind of, you kind of have to, you have to hustle out there, you know? So yeah, anywhere really. Yeah. But yeah. And I had, I produced a lot of like work in those three months, you know, like it, it was just like every two or three days I'm like putting together new comps for new, new pitches, new movie websites or whatever. And, and I had like a pretty good little book after those three months. So I spent a week putting a new book together. Uh, this is back when, you know, you would take a book to an interview, you know, this is still before people had portfolio websites, you know, or at least it was before it was commonplace to have a portfolio website. You know, this is like 2004. Um, so, you know, you, you didn't have like the beauty of Squarespace or cargo to, to quickly. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so, Squarespace is a sponsor of the podcast. Actually. Yeah, you, you mentioned even working with them. We'll have to talk about that later on, but yeah, yeah but um, great resource. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I love Squarespace. Um, but yeah, I, I, I was just like, oh shit, you know, so I put together this book and I, I kind of revised my crappy little site that I had and I, and I saw this 
opening it at Exopolis, which was a, a hot little company at the time. Uh, you know, they were. What really, they do? They they did both interactive and motion graphics. Okay. And I, wanted to get into motion graphics and I was out in LA and I'm like, now's my opportunity. I got to get, I got to seize, seize the day and, and, and get into motion graphics. So I went, I, I went to an interview and they hired me like on the spot. Uh, and, and the owner of the company was like, can I keep your book and show it to everyone? He was really into it. Like, like the creative director came in, you know, as, as the interview was like finishing up and he was like, yeah, we love your book. You know, can we keep it, you know, for a few days and <laughs> you can cool. come pick it up? And I'm like, I was like, well, uh, do I have the job? <laughs> and it's cool, but I, I kind of need the book to go interview at other places. And they're like, oh, no, no, you got the job. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> I was like, awesome. It's good yeah. to have the book then. I was like, you can have the book. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I was just really excited. Uh, and, and this was like, I think the turning point for me where like, now I, 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 I felt way more comfortable and confident because they, they, they put off a different vibe. Like it was a really cool company. You know, a lot of people were working there were really like super talented. Um, Brian Holman, who, who now owns the, the studio Royale, um, he was uh, an art director there. And um, Darwin Tomlinson uh, was the creative director. And um, like just really talented guys, David Estes, who's at NPC now. But it, I mean, like everyone who came from the studio is like a rock star now. Like it just everyone who 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 is working there while I was working there, like has gone on to do really great things. It happens a lot. Usually, the culmination, that energy of yeah. being surrounded by that environment, usually spawns like really great work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it was really inspiring to be there. You know, we got great clients. Like Nickelodeon was one of our big clients. That's where I met Bradley. Actually, was he came in to to help on our our Nickelodeon rebrand. Mm. Um, and he did a lot of fun stuff. Uh, so I got to meet Bradley, who was like a hero of mine in, in school, you know, like <laughs> I remember like being in school and looking at like him and like Mike Young and Mike China and like these guys were like my heroes. And, and now I was like, here I am in the same room with Gmo Coley shit. Mm. And, and I didn't really know much about him other than his crazy websites, you know, and his crazy little short films that he made. Um, and, and he was just a spazzy, wild, crazy dude. And I was just like, oh, my God, I love this guy. I mean, was. <laughs> so, like, we instantly hit it off. Yeah. And, and like, I was just like, I got to learn as much as I can from this guy. You know, like, I, need, I just need to talk to him and just listen to what, he, what his story is and, and glean as much as I can from him. So, and the biggest thing I got from him initially was like, he was just like, dude, you're so good. You need to just go freelance. And I'm like, really? And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So he, he would like tell me like what they were charging for day rates and stuff. And I'm like, <laughs> That's when the world opens up. You're like, what? <laughs> but yeah, I was like still, still kind of fresh out of Houston and, and they were totally getting me on the cheap. Exopolis was, you know, <laughs> and sure. I, I, once I learned that what people were making out there, I kept going back to the owner and saying, I need a raise. And he's like, okay. And they were cool about it. You know, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll give you a raise. And, and then I got a promotion. I moved up to senior designer and then, and then art director. But, um, well, that's cool that they acknowledged it too. Yeah. I mean, the owners, the owners were definitely cool, uh, up to a certain point. And then there was like this turning point. And I don't want to talk shit about anybody. And I don't yeah. like, I don't like to do that, but the, the, the sort of, the, there was a turning point at the company um, where, like, we were starting to get bigger jobs. You know, like the one of the iPod jobs. Dun, dun. 
Yeah, and like <laughs> Jobs came in. It was the one with the light trails. Uh, I don't know if you remember that. It was kind of the dancing people and shit. The dancing people, and it was like the first, the first time you kind of saw light trails. You know, like the cool light trail gag. It's the it's the silhouette dancing people, right? That's yeah, yeah, and there was like a million of them. I did a few at Logan um, after leaving Exopolis, but um, but this one at Exopolis is a big deal because Logan was doing all of the iPod work up until that point and somehow i guess we apple got a big thing with logan right logan's apple thing like the logan and apple are really close i think right like yeah apple. yeah i don't know if they still are it's been a while since i've worked with logan and and i i, I don't know i'll talk i'll talk about logan because i had a great time there after leaving exopolis but um yeah please sorry so that the company started changing once apple came in yeah yeah apple came and then like i think the owners just they wanted bigger and bigger things you know and a lot of a lot of what we were doing there was like these small little projects for mostly broadcast networks. And we were just having fun doing promo stuff. And now they were wanting to go after big commercial jobs. And, and it's just, you know, I guess a lot of us weren't really ready for it just yet, you know, because that iPod spot in order to get it, they, they, they killed themselves like Brian and Jason Whitmore, they killed themselves working around the clock for like a couple of weeks to get the, to get the uh, job. And then once they got the job, they killed themselves for like a month straight, you know, doing it. Yeah. And, and they were just like, no, we can't do this anymore because you know, there's just no sustainability in it. And then the owners were just like, Oh, we're going to go after these kinds of jobs. So be ready for it. And then I think a lot of people were just like getting burned out on, on projects, getting overworked. So, you know, it's just, it happens, you know? Yeah. Well, it happens. I think, um, I, you can that's another thing you do like we gotta <laughs> see both sides you know like yeah i mean it's a ima- i can't imagine the um the bill you know i can't imagine how much money that must have been because it probably was it probably was like 20 times bigger than any of the other jobs you know oh, i'd imagine yeah. you know and and in that draw it's hard not to want that right you know it's like it's oh it's it's with apple and we can we can build this project we're gonna get paid you know and we can afford the whole cost of the business for a whole year after this project and there's less stress from this blah blah and there's all these things that you'll tell yourself that will sabotage yourself you know yeah yeah and and there's other things that we're going into it to to lower the morale and i don't want to get into the details sure, sure. You, you shouldn't you know like unless i don't like to throw anybody under the bus i'm honest and i'll i'll i'm a straight shooter for sure and, and anyone will tell you this but and this is on the know, podcast you it'll live forever so, yeah, it's yeah. Like I, I wanted to come here and, and talk about good positive things and not like dwell about the negativity but well, you there's know. both things, you know, there's two sides to all this stuff. You know, I've worked with <laughs> shitty companies and just have had to deal with shitty things. But yeah, I guess it's just how you deal with it and see it too. But I think it's important to paint a picture that's realistic because this does happen a lot. It happens to lots of studios. Studios are people, the run people that run it, they, they think they're bigger than what they are. They overdo it and then they implode or they destroy they destroy what they once, you know, loved the most. I, I, there's this documentary that a lot I watch quite a bit, and I I find it funny, and I and I, and I, re, I recommend a lot of people to listen to it. It's uh, or to watch it. It's actually on on uh, if you just Google like Todd McFarlane, the devil you know, he says this really funny quote because I've heard I've heard um, because we talked about Todd earlier, but I've heard from people that have worked with him and stuff that he can be a fucking powerhouse. He can be a very aggressive, very very just. Hard, a hard ass basically you know like he's worked really hard and he's earned it and he can he just chooses to do whatever he wants to do but anyways the thing that he said one time when he got he got like this award and he said the funny thing about being successful is you become the person that you least wanted to be you know 
And it's true, and you transform, and, and it's really challenging, and it's really interesting to think about, you know, how to retain those roots, and w- how much success is good enough, you know, and and when to say, when to say I'm I'm full, you know what I mean? It's yeah. like it's like eating at a buffet with all your favorite food, like at one moment you have to stop, or you're gonna get sick, and you got to be aware of that moment, you know. And some people go, you know what, I'm gonna stop now. I'm gonna go to the gym and go run and go do something else. Yeah. Which is like I would equate to like life, right? Balancing life and getting yep. getting that di- that discipline. But some people just stay at the at the buffet and they'll just live there and they'll just eat themselves silly and they'll make themselves fucking sick and gross and and just and fucked up, you know. And that that happens a lot. I think the the, the, the being aware of that is very key. That's that's the key to your longevity. I think you know. Oh, definitely. It's not healthy. I think to. To only work, you know. No, no, no. There's, there's moments in your life that you should. I think. That oh, there's absolutely, and, and and definitely, like right after I left Exopolis to go freelance, it was just like this whole, whole new world. I mean, I left Exopolis with a really, I think, a, at the time, I felt like it was, it was a pretty solid portfolio, and I was get, lining up interviews with, you know, uh, more heroes. I was getting to meet another hero, which was, you know, I, I, I didn't meet Kyle when he came and talked. You know, I kind of shook his hand and. You know, probably like bumbled some words. <laughs> you know, that yeah, was Where did he time. speak at? Probably just like work good, like like you. You know, <laughs> you're talking about Kyle Cooper. What, when did he? When did he? Did he uh, speak? Oh the, well, when that it was probably like 1999 or maybe maybe yeah, it was probably 1999. He was he was still with Imaginary Forces. This is before Prologue. Um, so that was when I first met him. I mean, and, and when I say met, I use that in like quotation fingers where like I, I, everyone was just walking up to him and shaking his hand and like getting a picture with him because he was kind of the first celebrity designer, uh, motion graphics designer, you know, like he was the man and he still is the man. But uh, at the time, like it was before like motionographer and all that. So he was like the only person in, in the industry that people knew by name. So it was just exciting to meet him. What do you think that was? I mean, obviously seven, but there was other people that were involved in that. Obviously, you know, uh, yeah, he's yeah. a very intense person. He's very intense. absolutely, you know. And, and from that encounter, like it was, he, you know, he, you could tell he was definitely on for the for the talk. So he was very like uh, very nice and very friendly and and, and very uh, respectful of everyone who was coming up and shaking his hand. And awesome. I think at the time he was. The, the notoriety was still new to him and he was still kind of excited about it and it was fun for him. And, and, you know, when you see people excited to meet you and, and to know more about your work, that's, that's such a great feeling, you know, and I, oh, yeah, I take I've it got, in. yeah, and I've gotten to that point where it happens to me, you know, nowhere near as much as like Kyle Cooper or like Bradley, but, um, you know, it was, it's, it, I'm sure for him, it was like such a great feeling, you know, and they were probably touring around the U S talking about their work um, or I don't know, or maybe somebody somehow got him to come to Houston to do this talk. But um, that's awesome. I, I, yeah, it was so, it was such it was such a pivotal moment for me, and just in terms of like I wanted to get into motion graphics after seeing them talk. You know, that was like the turning point for me. And then you know when I got to Exopolis, I got to actually do the work. You know, I got to do storyboards and style frames, and and I got to learn like how to tell a story visually. Uh, from A to B and, and I learned how to like, you know, problem solve on a timeline, which I hadn't really done up to that point, you know? <laughs> which, yeah, that's a whole another ballpark right there. It was all new to me and, and 
you know, we, we learned motion graphics in college, but it was like, we were the guinea pig class. It was like the first year they brought in an animation teacher to teach us, you know, motion graphics. And she was great. Um, I, you know, I still try to keep in touch with her every now and then. And, and, but you know, this was like the first taste of it working at Exopolis. So I worked there for two years and it was like my, it was like my school, you know, like you, I, I know you said that prologue was like your school. It was oh, like, yeah, yeah. Exopolis, Exopolis was like my, my undergraduate. I felt like for motion graphics. And then Logan was like my masters, you know, <laughs> yeah. because I left Logan, I left Exopolis to go to Logan um, after meeting with Kyle and, and kind of, the thing about when I met with Kyle, because I met with like three or four studios after leaving Exopolis, Kyle wanted me to staff there as an art director. And uh, I just learned about Danny Yoon and, uh, <clears throat> and I was really excited to see his work and I just got to shake his hand and meet him. But it was mostly Kyle I talked to. And we went, this is back when the studio was in Malibu. Uh, it was so like his the, house. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It was like an amazing location. Now it's like an American apparel, I think. But, um, yeah, <laughs> I, don't I don't know. I haven't worked there for a while, so I'm not sure. There, at the time, it, it looked, I think there was like a surf shop on the downstairs, on, you know, below it. And then on the second story was where Prologue was. And it was like this cave, you know, it was like really dark inside. And I was like, <laughs> how can a place this close to the beach be so dark and gloomy? So that was like one kind of red flag that I got. And then, um, the second red flag and, and, and this is not a bash then, but I noticed that he didn't have fingernails, like he had chewed them all off. And I was like, whoa, that's crazy. <laughs> uh, but he was really nice. Like in the interview, was re he was really nice, super nice guy. And uh, I was like, man, I really want to work there. But he wanted me to staff. And I just left a staff job and I really wanted to freelance. So I was just like, you know, it was one of those things that maybe I, I should have taken it, you know. But, yeah, well, that's a place you go to work. It's very intense. You work with yeah, the best I, and you just go and you grind. Uh, yeah, I would have learned an enormous amount, which I ended up doing at Logan as well. But yeah, Logan, I hear is very intense too. Very Logan intense. was very intense, but it had this like really great vibe. Cause it was also by the beach. Yeah. It's all in Marina del Rey, kind of like that area, right? Well, now it's in Marina del Rey. When I worked there, it was in Venice. It was okay. right on the beach. Like you literally like walk out the door and you're on the beach. That's cool. It was, it was awesome. And, and Logan was great. You know, like I went there and like Ben and Alex, the owners were, were, were just the nicest guys. And, like I went there to freelance art direct and they were just like, so trusting. Like it was, it was great because they just let me like run jobs. And I learned so much there. I'd never worked on a 3d pipeline at Exopolis. You know, we, we didn't do 3d there. We just did 2d and occasionally Brian Holman would do some crazy shit in 3d studio max, but it was like, he was a one man shop. So he would just do like the 3d and then he would animate 2d and comp it all himself, but nobody else did 3d and, 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 and working at Logan, I was like, oh, cool, you know, like, I have all these cool tools to work with, you know, like, these guys who, who I could collaborate with and help me achieve this vision, you know, that I can't do on my own. So it was kind of like the first time where I got that, like, bigger, bigger team sort of mentality. Which is great. Yeah. That's really when you start to make good work, I think. Oh, definitely. Like, my work immediately, I felt like, went up another level at Logan, you know, where I was just, like, learning how to do boards really fast and and talking to clients on the phone and, and going to the agencies to meet with them face to face. Just, I, I, I really sharpened that tool there and, and it was great. You know I mean? I had a great time. I worked my ass off, you know, the hours were crazy, but you know, it was worth it. 
Yeah, you kind of have to do that, you know, and I think that you should be willing to do that for your whole career, just working smarter. But I think that you should never lose that youth, if that makes sense, you know, like you should never, like for me, I get possessed, like I call it possession. I get, when I get on a project or a thing, if it's my own or somebody else's, and I get, you know, it's four o'clock in the morning rolls around, I'm like, ah, shit, you know, like. I don't think that'll ever end, you know. My stamina might slow down a little bit, and I'm working a lot smarter nowadays. But I think it's, I think that's something to really be cautious of and aware of that. Well, when you say work smarter, uh, let's dig into this. Yeah, uh, work smarter what, is a big thing. Yeah, like because that's definitely something that I, I try to, I try to like instill. And you know, when I was at the mill, you know, I had a, a really great team there that I worked with, and a lot of young, talented guys there. And I, I you know, instilled the work smart, not hard. You know as a joke, you know, still work hard, but also work smart, you know, is what I would say. But sure. Um, yeah. Let's, let's dig into this. Like what, what do you, what do you, what do you think you've learned now that you work? Like how is your process now working smarter than it was, let's say back in the day at like prologue or whatever? Well, I have a voice now and I listen to it. So if my voice is like my creative voice is telling me that, um, right now it's just time to rest or, yeah. Or, or or refocus or, or re-inspire. Or just take a break and go go for a walk and get away yes. from it for like yes. 15 minutes. I, and, and to be completely honest, I don't always do it. Yeah. But Me too. Uh, me too. I do. My, my wife comes and is like, have you eaten yet? It's three. And I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the possession, right? You know, that, I, call, I always call it like the possession or, or my mistress because it keeps me away from the family and up late at night. And that's really what my career has been. But no, I think it, working smart, I think, is, is a matter of understanding who you are, how you create yeah. your flows, your ebbs and flows. Like I, I work best in three to four hour cycles like of just put the headphones on, shut the fuck up and get to work. Yeah. And that's, and, 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 and in four hours I can do more than most can Dude. do in, in, in three days or something. You know, it's just that's like, so cool that you said that. Cause I was telling her the other day, I was just like, you know, I, I, I can jam for about three or four hours. That's exactly what I said. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was like, I can jam for about three or four hours and then I start to kind of like lag and then I start sure. to lose focus. And, and I always find it, that's the time to step away from the computer, go for a walk, you know, go have lunch with her and River, our son. Um, just get away from it, you know, and, and yeah. then try to try to pick it back up. You know, take a, take like at least an hour, maybe two hour break, and then get back to it. Yeah, and really, really disconnect. You know, I think that yeah. I think that um, those gaps. Uh, and before I used to brute force it. I, I I'm I'm really big into jujitsu, and and the, yeah. I find that jujitsu, and I'm really into into cooking. I find that there's all these similarities that are very close. And with jujitsu is like. For me, uh, I don't know if you train jujitsu, but it's it's been one of the biggest gifts in my life. It's been like kind of like a a game changer, a lifesaver. It's keep me, it keeps me healthy, it keeps me humble. But I, I I learn a lot from it that inspires my art game. And, yeah. and one of the big things is is when I first start jujitsu, is very much like there's a lot of tension, there's a lot of energy, there's no breathing, there's a lot of exhaustion, there's a lot of insecurity and fear and and and. And that's a lot what happens when you start to do art. For me, it was, uh, especially training with these black belt, you know, ninjas. And as I develop and grow my voice, I realize that it's okay to breathe, to relax, to flow and be like water. You know, like that sounds cheesy, but that's very much the way that you must work smart. I think that's really the way of, of, of really... Water, I love that. It's That's really what it is, right? A client will go and, and throw you off 
some random tangent or something. Just say like a distraction that's pushing you off of the, your original course. Yeah. The old me would go, fuck, you know, uh, and yeah, but the I, new I, me goes, you know what? Either I will state my case and work with them and, and communicate clearly what, why my intentions, why, and, and, and yeah, try to yeah. get to the bottom of it. And that gives them a value of, of and rather, th there's another saying I always use is don't be your client's hands, be their mind because they're paying you for your mind, you know, and yeah. be yeah. aware of that. And, and, and the most successful artists that I know uh, are really big yeah. on that. They're big on being themselves, being a creative person, a person with an identity that has a voice that they're always in demand. And the more that they, they, they push that voice, the more they're in demand, you know? And I've yeah, noticed yeah. that it's been kind of an interesting thing that I've seen in careers and stuff with people. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I mean, I, it's funny that you said, you know, like when, when they come, come back to you and they're like, well, what if it were this or that? And, I used to do the same thing. I used to be like, oh no, it's this way or, or I'm not, you know, I'm not going to try or I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to listen to what they're going to say. I'm just going to do what I want to do. Sure. So now I'm like way more flexible. I mean, I just, uh, you know, I just finished a pitch with Buck after I wrapped up the, the Squarespace job. I, I did a little thing with Buck and, and love their so, work. They're so good. Oh, yeah. They're great. They're great dudes. And, and, you know, they, they brought me on and they were just like, you know, we, we, you know, we just we just know that this is a great project for you, and, and we're excited to have you on. And I was like, oh, thanks. You know, it's so so great to be working with you guys. I hadn't worked with them in a long time since like 2007, and uh, and it was weird that I just hadn't worked with them for a long time. They they tend to not go outsource too much. You know, they try to, to keep it internal. Yeah, yeah. They have so many talented people there. Yeah, rock stars. But just the fact that they, they brought me on, I was like, oh my God, you know, like, this is great. I want to I work with these guys as much as I can. But, you know, like Orion would come back and, yeah, man, like, this is cool, but like, what if it were this? And I was just so excited to just like, yeah, that's a, that's a great idea. Or like, he would make a, a, a point and it would be so spot on, you know, you know, Ryan's just so smart. Good, that's good trust though. That's a trust thing, you know? Yeah, yeah. And that's your understanding of understanding your own voice and realizing that you might not have the best answer, but then also trusting that your connection with that person is going to yeah. make it better. That's yeah. just a maturity thing, but it also is like, it's self-fulfilling, you know? Like, because you could have like some idiot tell you some stupid shit and you're like, well, I, I don't know about that. <laughs> but you know what though? I like, I don't like to, to just default to calling people anything, you know? Like if I, if I don't know them, and then, like, this is the first time I'm working with them. This is the first time I worked with Orion because when I worked with Buck in the past, it was with the LA office when I was in LA and I'd work in, you know, in-house at Buck. But, um, you know, this is Buck, New York, and, you know, I'm working from Austin. And they were just like, you know, we love everything that you're doing. And I felt bad because I felt like I didn't output as much as I, I, I should have or could have. But the, the process was actually really great because I started in one place they were like, yeah, but what if it was this? And, and, and then I tried something out and I really liked it. And, and Orion's like, you know, it's, it's really beautiful looking, but I just don't think it's, it's right. And I was like, okay, cool. You know, like, and then he was like, what if it were something like this? And then I sent him a reference from my site, like a, an image that I did. And he was like, I love that. Like, let's, let's go that way. And, 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 but for me, like, I think what was great was that I storyboarded out the uh, most, most of the script and I think that's what they really were, were digging, you know, was my ideas. And I think that's so important is that to show that 
I showed them that I'm not just a guy who makes pretty pictures. Like I was able to like take their, the script from the client and, and like interpret it and give it like a director's treatment. And, and I think that's what I learned at the mill, you know, it was like how to do, do that, you know, it's just not, they're not having to hold your hand, you know, so yeah, they can yeah. focus on other things since they're busy, you know, they got other things. Totally. Yeah. They're, yeah. So, I mean, I, I think it was a combination though of like, if I were there at, at Buck, um, I probably would have gotten on track maybe like a day before. And that's, that's something I'm going to have to learn, you know, how, how to work out here working remotely um, in Austin. And, I, and I, I was putting in longer hours working on that job just because um, I, I just wanted to get it right, you know, because it's for Buck and, and it was for a big client. I can't say who it was for, but it's for like a really big client. And Doritos. No, I'm joking. <laughs> yeah, Doritos. That was it. <laughs> <laughs> Just joking. No, no, that's that's true though. And and sometimes you have to. You have to dig deep. You have to go. And if we're working in four to three to four hour cycles, then you have to go. Well, you know, like I'm going to work twelve hours a day. You know, and, yeah, exactly. and then I'm going to have three 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 hour three one hour breaks. So I'm really going to be having like a fifteen to sixteen hour day. And yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, and then I gonna I'm going to sleep six hours. But you know, it's okay. I'm going to get hours is a luxury these days. <laughs> yeah. Well, you have a do you have a newborn child now? He's not a newborn anymore. I guess he's walking now. So I guess we could technically call him a toddler. Toddler. Yeah. He's, toddler. yeah he's, he's eleven. He's almost eleven months. Okay. He's, but he's a uh, man. He is just a ball of joy. This guy. He smiles just constantly and. Like, to me, he's one of the biggest inspirations now, you know, like circling back to, you know, when we were talking about what inspires you, like, to me, it's not just like other artists, it's a, it's like life experiences and, and having a child has been such a pivotal moment in my life. And it's one of the reasons why we made this decision to leave New York and for me to leave my, my job at the mill was, was that we felt that, that New York would have been great if we were like six or seven years younger and, and just not, you know, not with a baby. <laughs> I yeah. think it was the combination of that winter that we just had in New York and, and having a newborn, it just broke us. It broke us. And on top of that, there were things at the mill um, that, you know, I, I just, I was starting to get frustrated with. So, I mean, it was just like the right, the right time to get, get out and and we we were originally looking into moving back to cali but um the market for finding a house there to rent uh, <laughs> was really was really rough up in northern cali we're looking up in like the bay area oh my god yeah <laughs> well that's the most expensive place in like the states in, like, well yeah but like san francisco, New York. Yeah, san francisco obviously but there were like little neighborhoods and pockets like around oakland and berkeley like little like little towns around there that we're pretty affordable like a few months ago, but this whole, the, the tech had like a second boom recently. Yeah. And, and all of the Silicon Valley people are starting to like spread out into the Bay Area and, and just places are getting snatched off the market so quick that, that they're starting to jack their prices up, you know? So it went from like, in because we, we started looking like late last year into rentals in Cali, knowing that we're going to move like probably like in May to June. And in December and January, man, it was great, dude. We were finding like three bedrooms for like, you know, $2,000 a month or whatever. That's not bad. Yeah, not bad, right? And, you know, that was like very affordable compared to what we were paying for the one bedroom that we had in New York. Yeah. And, 
and then you know as we started getting closer to closer closer to moving it just it just like all those places vanished from the market and the places that were somewhat in our price range were just scary you know <laughs> just scary yeah so we were just like oh, we're like shit. oakland so, oakland area no i mean it was just like all over all over i mean some of them were in oakland some of them were in berkeley um not scary as in like the neighborhoods look sketchy it was more like the photos of the places like like there was like I don't want to say it was bad as like a toilet in the kitchen, but <laughs> <laughs> like weird, weird sort of like layouts, but like bars on the window, just sort of red flags yeah. you get when you're looking at. Yeah. Oh. You don't want to bring your family into that shit. You know, like that's not cool. You know, like if you have a choice, you don't want to do that. You know, your home should be your fucking place that you love and that, yeah. you, that you enjoy and you have memories and stuff like good ones, you know, like, totally. yeah, I'm big on that. That's a big thing for me, at least, because, especially because I work from home. Like my home has got to be like clean and, and maintained and, and me too. yeah. So are you still working from home now? Cause uh, I, I haven't had a chance to congratulate you, but uh, congratulations on your, uh, your new position. Uh, oh, yeah, thank you. No, I'm, I still work from home. I'm just I'm just represented as a director through them. So like Jose and I have like a really cool setup with uh, Shiloh and stuff. Which yeah. is, so just like if a job comes through and they and, and it works out for the both of us that we both feel you know we all feel passionate about me working on, then I'll take it. But that's interesting. But, so you yeah like they are you the first one that they've had this sort of setup with? Because I I know from my experiences with talking to them in the past um, and with some friends who've worked with them. Uh, I know uh, Anthony Furlong who works out of their New York office. Um, but he's like there every day, you know, he's like, you know, running his jobs out of the office. Yeah. I think that it's, I think that it's good to, to be in the office. I think that yeah. it's key. Um, they're in La Jolla, I think, which is a bit far yeah. away from me. And I don't want to, I I'm really, uh, ever since doing the whole commute to LA, I don't, I don't waste any time commuting anymore. It's just a waste of my energy. So, um, and, and San Diego slowly becoming LA with the traffic and shit. So like, I don't want, I don't like to deal with it. So, uh, no, I, I just, I, I, I'm, I love being at home, you know, and I love working around people and being with people and that's going to happen soon enough. I'm going to have a job where I'm going to go and I'm going to have to be there and, and I'm going to be, you know, living it and stuff. But until then I'm just, you know, I'm booked out for months and I'm just working on films and doing whatever. So that's cool, man. I think it's I think it's good. I think it's really going to be a fun relationship with uh, myself and the company. And I see that I, 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 Jose is a very smart guy, and I see him fledging the future of what this possibly could be. I think um, it's kind of a smart way to do it to represent. Uh, you know, he just wants to work with me, and and I, and I with him. And I think it's just a smart way of doing business. You know, we both kind of help one another. We both can show our work. We can show, you know, clients the potential of what could be and you know, complement each other's weaknesses with each other's strengths, kind of, you know, and that's just a smart way of doing business, you know, so, but I'm curious to see what happens, and thank you for the congratulations, and a lot of people have asked, and I think a lot of people thought I was going to work there as a as a staff employee, but um, no, that's just, yeah, I, I don't do, I can't do staff stuff anymore, I just, I, I, I and I, if I can still sustain it, I never will go back to staff, unless it's just so good, you know, that I can't, yeah. which I might go back, I might, Eventually, I might go teach. That'd probably be the. I'll go to college and. and I love teaching. I, I taught so at Art. I taught at Art Center for uh, for a couple of years as just like a. That's awesome. A, an adjunct professor um, doing style frame storyboard classes, and this was back in like 
uh, you know, in the 2000, like nine to 2010, um, big deal. Our son is great. Yeah, no, it's great. And it was, it's not just good for the students. It's so good for you. You, oh, you yeah. learn so much from the students as well. And You're explaining yourself, <laughs> you learn about the process. Like I, I figured out my process. Like I had to break down my process yeah. in order to create a curriculum. And it was so, so helpful for me. And, and I still have like these PDFs that I would, I would give to the, the students and they love them. Like I still have a couple of them like hit me up like, Hey, I lost your PDFs. Can you, can you send me your PDFs again? Like students, I haven't, you know, this is 2014 and <laughs> I taught them in 2009 or 2010 and they're like still hitting me up for them because they, they like to go back to some of those like, you know, parts of the process of breaking down an idea and how to like, you know, create like mind maps, you know, and, and, and sort of pick out the keywords. And, you know, I always start with keywords and yeah, you do too, yeah. huh? I do that same thing. I use this thing called MindNode. You ever use that application? Jake Sargent showed me that years ago and I, I used it for a bit, but now I just, I just write use it down. It. I just write it down. I have a sketchbook and old and school. My sketchbook is the ugliest thing. Like I'm one of those guys who doesn't have a sketchbook. My sketchbook is like notes, like notes of like when I need to go to the doctor next to like <laughs> little drawings of penises. Next yeah, to- I was going to ask how many dicks do you have in there? <laughs> <laughs> so many dicks. Oh my God. Yeah. Boobs, dicks and boobs. You are a friend of G-Monks. This is perfect. <laughs> <laughs> I, should, I should start a Tumblr just screen grabbing like me and G-Monks or like me and Stephen Kelleher's texts and Oh God! Yeah, they get sassy. Oh, <laughs> I have other friends too that aren't in the industry. That oh God, it gets so it gets so raunchy and yeah. That's, anyway. how, that's how it should be. I like that you don't have your podcast as this pristine thing. I, I when I oh, see like guys like James Jean or even like my friend uh, John Sweeney who I just had on the podcast. When I see his podcast or his sketchbook, I'm like, fuck you, man! Like it's like yeah. a pristine, like this amazing thing. Oh, God. And for me, it's like yeah, I have like you know, like you said, doctor's appointments or just random notes i'll have movie ideas in my head and i'll just i'll just throw them in there i think that's you know i think that's what it is for me i find it as a, a being a vessel of, of memory you know uh, totally. this thing that will i can carry with me it's portable it's fun i used to try to treat it like a james jean thing and and and, and, I, and then i hated it because i'd be like oh every time i open it I had to make the page better than, than the last page. And exactly. I'm like, jeez, it takes <laughs> so much pressure. Like, yeah. I, I bought this really beautiful little like it has like gold foil on the edges of the pages. Oh, I shit. bought it in Paris when we were on our honeymoon uh, in 2007, and it's still empty. It's still blank. <laughs> I bought, it has like this kind of cool cubert pattern. Mm. Uh, I'll take a photo of it and text it to you. Yeah, I want to see it. Yeah, it's beautiful and. And so beautiful. And it was so expensive. I mean, for Euro conversion and everything, Ash was like, oh my God, you're never going to draw on that. I know you. <laughs> and she was totally right. But I bought it and I love it. And it's still on the bookshelf and it looks pretty. It's like an art object. But um, that's like, funny. That's funny. It's similar. No, it's great. so funny. And the thing is, is that my sketchbooks have never been pretty. And, and I don't really care because I, it's not like to me, it's part of the process. And and it's how I work things out. And I, I used to show that on my website, but now it's just like, um, you know, I'm just going to show the, the, the images and style frames of, you know, if, if it's a spot that I, I worked on, whether if I designed it or directed it or whatever, I might show the style frames, um, but I'm not going to show the sketches that led to the sketches that led to the first round of style frames that led to the final round of style frames. <laughs> and it's like, 
Like we you can all, show that when you go talk, you know. Yeah, exactly. I do. I do. You know. And yeah, that's when you show that stuff. I think exactly. And that, it gives it gives people a little peek behind the curtain, and it get you know they're paying for that too. Yeah, you know? they they've seen your work on your site. It's like now they get to see like how the how the sausage is made. So I mean, oh, <laughs> oh, oh yeah. <laughs> I just, I'm just fucking with you. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm completely immature. So yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Um, but yeah, you know, I met Bryce Weimer while working at the mill. I don't know if you know his work, but he's really sick and his sketchbooks are insanely beautiful. And he also has these crazy cool little, like, like, like OCD, like charts that he makes of like, like things that he eats or like how many many times he like masturbated and, or I don't know. Yeah. Cause maybe that's not actually one of the things online. That's what I thought. I'm like, I bet you that's the masturbation chart. (laughs) But like, I'll look through a sketchbook and, and I'm just like, Holy shit, this, this dude's uh, just like insane. Like, but Mine aren't mine aren't pretty. Mine are just hideous, and they're moleskins, and they're just every love like, moleskins. Yeah, they're all random sort of things. Like, oh, that looks like a cool little thing to sketch in, so I'll buy that. So they're never like consistent. Yeah, but, you know, it is important though to keep the the sketchbook. Yeah, why is that for artists? You know, I have some for artist <laughs> friends that don't carry sketchbooks. They're not into it, and they don't use them. Uh, I it's find that to be interesting, huh? They're missing out. I think it helps. I think know? so too. I think it's just a way of translating. You know, uh, you know, I, I sit next to. I have, I, I consume a lot of books, and I usually have them all on my nightstand. I have like fourteen yeah. books right now stacked high. I'm getting kind of anxious too. I should probably take them away from my my bed because <laughs> I have a hard time sleeping. But well, I'll, I'll read them, and then I'll, uh, I'll, um, I'll write down notes in my sketchbook, yeah. you know, and I'll extrapolate. And, and, and what's funny too, sometimes I'll go back to an old sketchbook from like a last year or something and I'll go, Oh, that was kind of a cool idea. Yeah. And I recently heard, and I, and I need to read this book next too, is Stephen King wrote a book about how he writes books. <laughs> that, <laughs> that, so sound, that sounds like the worst thing, but it's actually, uh, I've, from many friends told me to read it and it sounds amazing but uh, his whole process that I find to be interesting and I find it to be similar to my own is that he'll write an idea you'll have the energy of this idea he'll build it out won't show anybody he'll keep it to himself once he hits certain wall or something like that he'll he'll tuck it away and come back to it later and go focus on something else that's getting his energy so basically he's keeping his energy at like 100% and then he comes back to that idea starts to add to it again, build it out, refocus his energy, gets it to a place where he thinks it's okay, and then he shares it with like one really close friend or a person. This is just what I've heard from friends, so I don't know if this is exactly what happens in the book. I need to read it. But um, for me, it just it, it inspires me because, you know, who, who else is as well-known as Stephen King, when, especially when it comes to horror? And he's like, he is the best at what, it, what he does. And, and it's just, it's great to hear that these dudes aren't just going, you know what? fuck it uh like just writing every day and just they're fucking just monsters and his, his shit it would be terrible i i, I, would I think so yeah. that, you know? and, and there's a reason why he is a master of horror and and why everyone keeps going back to his stories as like the the sort of canon of of horror yeah uh when it comes to literature and adapting it into film it's just his his film his books are like films as you read them they just unfold in a certain way and they're so visual and he's so descriptive but the like world building is great man he paints these amazing pictures and I think like it, it'd be 
great to, to, to like read about how his process works. You know, I love, I think we had, we had sort of mentioned how we both love in the mind of a chef. Yes, I, I, uh, that show is, I fucking love the hell out of that show. I it, it just randomly stuff. came across it. The, I'm on season two. I don't like it as much. I love season one. I was just talking about the season two with a friend of mine, and he was saying, like, how, like, sexually, like, interested this guy is into rice and shit. Like, he's like, he's like, fucking southern rice. He's like, oh my God, southern rice. He gets so into it. And it's kind of like, well, all right. Like, but maybe it's just because yeah. I'm not into southern rice, but I'm more into, like, noodles and like Japanese cuisine that's why I love season one they're both amazing so far I love them well, what I, yeah what I what I took away from season one and the first half of season two is is their passion you know David yeah, Chang's crazy passion. passion yeah he's so passionate about you know not just making the creative process of being a chef and making this great food but he he goes to the the extent of traveling to wherever this particular food that he's uh, wanting to make and, and learning about the history behind it and tasting tasting it from the, the, the real culture where it comes from. And I think that's so, to me, that's so inspiring. And, and Crazy. Oh the energy gosh. that he has and the positivity behind it. God, it was he just referenced like... referenced Kubrick a couple of times too, which I think is... Uh, did, you, did you catch that? He, he, he referenced Kubrick in a way I thought was really brilliant. I, I have, yeah, I might have missed that, that reference that he did, but... Um, he referenced a Kubrick quote from a making of The Shining, which if, if you... This it told me how much of a nerd he is because that's yeah. something that nobody really knows about or don't really pay attention to. But when it was like a quote that Jack Nicholson said to, about Stanley, he said, everybody acknowledges that he's a man and I still think that underrates him. Yeah. And he used that as a quote for another chef. And I was like, ah, oh, that's fucking great. Like, I, I just really, man, I, I want to meet that guy, that chef. He's just, he's such a, he's, he's so charismatic too. Like, yeah. He's so witty and funny and silly and like blunt and honest. He's like Anthony Bourdain has that same energy as well. Oh, I love Anthony Bourdain. I love Anthony Bourdain so much. I Parts I've Unknown. Watched, oh, I've watched so I've watched all of Parts Unknown, but I've watched No No Reservations. Reservation, yeah. Almost all the I, I would kind of cherry pick the the locations first, you know. <laughs> the ones that I want to watch. The coolest like, ones okay. are the ones that you think that you might not like, though. That's what's funny, right? Totally, totally. Yeah. Like I watched the one on New York. I'm like, okay, that was cool. But then I watched the one on Detroit. I'm like, whoa, that was fucking great. That was great. fucking great. Yeah. When it's just like the dilapidated city when it's trying to rebuild itself. And I love that he's just very honest and, and, uh, and he really doesn't, he doesn't worry about speaking his mind. Like I love when they're just talking shit on like Nickelback and stuff. Like I was laughing so hard and I was like, God, I love this guy more every time I watch the show. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, yeah, I, I, chefs are a big thing, a big creative in, inspiration for me, and comedians. I love oh, comedians are great. For me, like the idea of being a comedian, like I, I've always kind of found myself to be a funny person. People think that I'm a funny person. I've been told that, and I, I gravitate towards comedy and things that are funny, uh, as well as dark stuff. I love horror too, and I love campy films. But comedy and the the process of comedy is so intriguing to me. Like the idea that, that you can be paid to come up with this joke that people can relate to or not relate to, but they still get it. And then they laugh like, and that is your job. That to me just is insane. And I think what we do is 
a little bit more acceptable, but still a little weird. Like trying to tell my parents the first few years what I did, they were like, what? But like <laughs> to be a comedian, that's just such a strange concept. It's very but, challenging world. I think I was just talking about the psychological thing too. with like, <laughs> A friend of mine last night we were talking about dave Chappelle and how like you know he got yeah. so famous he went insane almost kind of and like had to go okay. hide away and and it made yeah. sense and then i look at like guys like louis ck who works his ass off he's got uh, his own show he writes a, an hour of material every year that kills but, but what people don't know is a lot of people don't know and i think people are starting to realize it is that he writes directs edits Oh, like, he's a savage, yeah. But it, but it makes sense, it's though. It makes sense. It's a beautifully shot show. It's beautifully edited. The stories are so original. Like they're just so surreal in a way. Like a lot of episodes, it's like I haven't watched it off, yet. I want to though. You, oh my god, you'll love it. It's so good. There's this one show, and I don't want to spoil anything for you, but there's this one episode, and it just sticks with me, man, because it's like. <laughs> It's what TV should be. I know you love film, but I'm all about TV right now. Sure, TV's like, great. Yeah, I mean, oh it's, it's it's all it's all kind of similar. You know, it just depends. Like you know, the, like the show, like True Detective. There's a couple. <laughs> right when you go in the middle of that that season, oh, it's it's just as good as any great movie. You know, like right in the middle of that season, it's just got. I was obsessed with True Detective. I, I I've rewatched the season four times now. From what start do you to what do you think of the ending? What did you think of it? At first, I, I wasn't terribly happy with it but Same. i was like okay you know okay i can accept it you know and yeah and uh, over the course of the last two or three times i've watched it um I, I, I start to like it you know and and i like that they didn't answer everything i like that there's still a lot of mystery to be be and it, it wasn't really about the, the the case itself it was more about these two two oh, the guys who, who've come back together and and formed this connection through this case you know by 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 getting so ingrained in it and obsessed with it, uh, it ruined McConaughey's life. It ruined Woody Harrelson's marriage, although I'd say it's philandering, cheating sort of. <laughs> yeah, I think he's a self-developed yeah. <laughs> that, that, time yeah. bomb. He was, he was a ticking time bomb, and the marriage wasn't completely working to begin with. But I think at the end, it's like seeing him with his family again and then seeing him like Cole and, and uh, Rustin and, uh, and Marty together again was just like so... It was sweet, you know. It was. It was like. It was the way the killing ended too. It was like I don't know if you watched the killing. I haven't watched that either. No. Okay. No. And then I won't go into the way the killing ends. But um, I think with the True Detective, and hopefully we're not spoiling anything for anyone. But <laughs> um, but yeah, it was just a really sweet ending, and it made me just sort of like like it, and I can't wait for season two. And and I, I just I love how how they're keeping it so. Um, the creative process, they're keeping it so sort of uh, confined with one director, you know, yeah. one showrunner. It's one HBO, writer. though. HBO really knows how to make a good setup. True, but, like, I, I've been really into Hannibal on NBC, and, and they, it's almost like an HBO show. What right? Brian has yeah. done with it, and uh, the director, uh, David Slade, who's directed, like, a majority of the episodes, um... I think they've done a great job with that show too. You should you should check out Hannibal. It's it's beautifully shot. Uh, the writing is really sharp. The acting is phenomenal. Um, art direction is top notch. The music is amazing. I mean, it's it's just a beautiful show, and it's really disturbing and weird. And I can't believe they get away with so much shit on network television. <laughs> 
have yeah, you have you watched it? I haven't watched that either. No. The the last big show is, is that I'm into is uh Game of Thrones and then before uh-huh. that was uh True Detective and then also uh Breaking Bad, which I still consider Breaking Bad to be one of the best shows ever created. Personally I, I only watched the first three episodes. My wife was just like, I don't know if I could watch this. It's very stressful. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah, uh, it's awesome. It's yeah. it's it's character development on the scale of that very few things can can really can really pull off and yeah it's just uh, I would I would check out Hannibal I would check out Louis Louis show man it's Louis yeah show. I really want to I've been I've actually started getting to curb your enthusiasm for the first time because I'm a huge Seinfeld fan and oh, yeah. uh, but I, like it's just like yeah that's that's been a lot of fun too like in shows in general it's it's just really challenging for me because um i just have very little time that i allow for anything else but i and i but i think that i find uh it really cool to have those unwind moments like one oh, my, so my wife and my daughter and i we like to watch cooking shows together because it's kind of fun or we will watch like we watch like hdtv like guilty pleasure shows you know like property brothers or <laughs> shit like yeah. that because it's just like you can unplug your mind and you can just we watch relax. master chef we watch yeah program. master chef is such a it's so manipulative and so genius what if they, what if they had what if they had a master chef for like artists like like designer illustrator uh, artist it's, guy, it's, it's it's around the corner man it's i, it's, want, I want that show to happen and i want to be on it i want to either be uh, contestant, or I want to be one of the judges because I think either either one would be super fun. Well, they've tried to do it, I think, with like um like makeup and Project, shit. Project um, Runway was, I guess, as close as we've gotten. But I don't think. Well, I just to be completely honest, my wife has made me watch that show before, and I and I and there's something about the hosts, right? Gordon Ramsay yeah. is just a, a fireball, and oh, yeah. so the, the Joe guy, the, the three of them are very unique. unique. Like the, the producer of that show and the director of that show is very smart because the yeah. way that they put it all together, they have, you know, this very snooty, high class, but uh, respected restaurant owner. They have a high Michelin star le- leveled uh, celebrity chef, and then they have Graham, who's also Michelin. But he's, sweetheart. But he's a sweetheart. sweetheart. Yeah, exactly. And then you have those but dynamics what? working with him. The thing about Gordon is that he has this gruff exterior, but he is a sweetheart. Yeah, man. yeah, That's yeah, definitely. You know, well, most dudes like, are, you know. Yeah, he's just like a no-nonsense dude, but they all care about the, the – you could like I get the sense that they genuinely care about these people, you know, and yeah. I don't know if it's just – you know the media putting <laughs> it's probably a bit of that too but i think they do man like i think they really want somebody to come out as successful and not just the first place winner but you know they want all of them to be able to, to get a career out of it you know because a lot of people are laying it out all out on the line you know and sure and giving up their their day jobs to come compete in this competition and and i think it's it's really it's really nice to see like like the other the other week, Gordon Ramsay got choked up a little bit when one of them got kicked off, and I was like, "Man, that's that's real. Like that was those are real tears. Like yeah, I remember that. That, was, that wasn't <laughs> artificial. Like you could just tell. And I'm not a fan of reality TV, really. Me neither. Like, I, I hate it. Yeah, but I don't that's get my kids out of it. But I, I love like I just love chefs. Like they're one of my favorite celebrity personalities. Yeah, same. Um, I find myself drawn to chefs and comedians. So yeah, um, I just I always go back to to. To those those kinds of personalities, because I, I would say like we're a lot like those kinds of creative personalities. You know, yeah, we absolutely. struggle. Comedians, comedians, the funniest shit of theirs comes from the darkest of oh, places. Oh yeah, yeah, it's, it's just how they present it to the world. Yeah. yeah, and the things that the things that make people laugh to the point of tears, 
they're coming from such pain and suffering. And, and to me, like, that's kind of what I like to, I try to tap into those, those emotions if, with my work, you know, and I try to, I try to bring that to it and, and that passionate level of emotion. Um, it might not show in the work. Like, that's my challenging to do. Yeah. It's challenging. Yeah. My work is very like charming and like, but I, you know, I, I definitely like some of the most charming shit could be the most darkest stuff, you know, like you mentioned one of your draw, your goals is to, is to create one, uh, your own book, you know, like yeah, there's, there's, there's very interesting things that are even like with Dr. Seuss and stuff, you know, like there's global politics involved with these things. Oh, there's, totally. there's, there's, you know, like human kind species re- reflection in there, you know, like there's all big, the tales, all the grim yes. fairy tales. Are like oh, the those are super dark. Yeah. 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 I, I want, I would love to, to do like a very sort of naive, lighthearted children's book, but I think it'd be fun to actually do like a darker one. Whatever one that's, you, that you want to do, you know? Like this yeah, I would love to do one that the art definitely would have my style, but like I would love to do one where it's like not specifically like, oh, and here's the, the bear with the hat. You know, and I love John Clausen's <laughs> books, but they're just so, they're so simple. And sure. I love to do one that's a little bit more sort of, there's something underneath this story and, you know, it's like, uh, it's like a parable or it's like a, it's like something that is, you know, designed to keep your child from, you know, doing something that could harm them, you know, and that's, that's what all the Grimm's fairy tales were designed to do, which was to keep your kids either in line and behave, you know, yeah. like if you don't do what your parents say, this witch will come and boil you and eat you. you know? <laughs> yeah, it was a little, it was a little intense. <laughs> And I don't know if I want to go that intense. No, like, you don't have to. But like I was saying, Dr. Seuss really got into that like stuff. And that's Monster House, the you know the the film Monster House. I love you know? that. I love that I love movie. I mean, films like I love I love the darker kids films. Like I grew up in the '80s, so like all of my films that I grew up with were like so weird and dark. You know, like all the Jim Henson films yeah. like Dark Crystal. Like, they were so Drake. weird. They were so weird and trippy. You know. Uh, one of the animated films that I, I love, and I, I rewatched it with my wife recently, and it didn't hold up for me. It was The Last Unicorn. It was. Uh... <laughs> no. Have you ever seen it? No, nah, a long time ago. Yeah. I, I, hold up for a lot me, of movies but... don't do that. Like, we, we, we rewatched uh, Short Circuit. It's so silly. It's like so many <laughs> silly things that happen. Uh, the, the films that do kind of still hold up are like The Never Ending Story, which is it has some moments, but it's still. Uh, the first one. The second one or the no, third. No, the first one. No, no. <laughs> well, Jack Jackson, it's terrible. <laughs> I know. I, there's only one for me, and it's that one. But it's, yeah, the, the those films they have. Jeez. Oh, they have things that I feel that a lot of stuff somehow is missing, or feels like it's missing now, and and it's due to, to yep. people's like not wanting to take risks. Yeah, I think so. I think that might be it, and and it's scary to take risks, man. It is, you know, if your whole life is weighing on this thing and this book or this experience or this you know, this collective creative thing. It's, yeah. it's challenging to go, you know what? Like everybody's going here. This is where all the money's going. I'm going to go the opposite direction, you know, like, yeah. and that's, that's, but that's where all the fucking punk rock shit is, you know, like that's really, uh, you might not be respected or known by it immediately. And a friend of mine, uh, really connected with me when about something that recently we talked about, but he said, you know, if everybody loved it, right off the bat it's almost like you didn't really do much you know like it's cool it's awesome 
but you didn't push the bar. You know, it depends on what you're going after, obviously. Like if you're if you're going after making a beautiful image, yeah, of course you want to hit it off the park, like out of the park. But if you're trying to tell a story, if you're trying to push emotion, if you're trying to do something that's more dimensional, then yeah, I think it that's really where you get into that I, different space. I hundred percent agree. And that's that's my problem with film films these days. Like there's to me there's like a golden age of film that I, I still love and it's it's the the mid to late seventies. For me like that that era of filmmaking is just golden and films won't touch that level of filmmaking. It was it was way more sort of nuanced and artistic. What films artistic are, are what are some of your favorite right? films? Uh, I love, you know, Dog Day Afternoon, The Conversation, uh, Regina Hackett. Cool, yeah. yeah, oh God. You know, I love I love The Godfather. The first two, the third one. Yeah, yeah well, of course, but the first two Godfathers, I mean, damn, dude. That's like Coppola at his most, like, hungry and eager. I mean, I also just recently Raging was... Bull. Raging, uh, Bull. Raging Bull. Dude, that Raging scene Bull. where he's crying and punching the wall. Oh, so good. Dude. Does it get better than that? It's like when I watched that, I was like, "Wow, this is, this is like, uh, this man is actually falling apart in front of the camera for our entertainment." I like, I, I could feel, I could feel him falling apart as a human being. Like you could feel it. I, I, you know, and I definitely there's definitely I I find myself drawn to filmmakers uh, versus like films um, these days, sure. uh, just because you know you're. You, you know what to expect going into seeing one of their films versus like, I, you know, and, and here's the thing is I grew up on comic books, but like, I'm just a little over the comic book. Oh yeah. It's oversaturated. Yeah. Yeah. There's just too many. And, and the studios are just putting too much money and weight into them. And don't get me wrong. I, I thoroughly enjoyed some of them. Like what are one, where are some of that you enjoyed? Uh, I like the first Iron Man a lot. I thought that was a great film. Uh, the Avengers was fun. Um, I liked I liked uh, the the latest Captain America. It was great, and I'm really excited to see uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. I, I've heard so many great things. I love Chris Pratt. Um, he's just such a comedic genius. Um, so I I've heard it's just a really funny film. Yeah, I haven't seen I haven't seen any of those, but I heard that they're all fun. I actually I did see Avengers. I did see the Avengers. You didn't see Iron Man? Uh, no, I don't think so. No. Oh my god! It's I'm not a big funny. Iron Man fan, really though. It's good. The second, the third one, I can kind of do without, but like, yeah. the first one was great. It was kind fun. of a Bruce Wayne. I'm, I'm a Bruce Wayne fan. Like, uh, oh yeah, I love. You know, <laughs> yeah, if you I get <laughs> for me, for me, I guess I don't know. Yeah, it's like you have a rich, smart guy, and he just, I don't know, like the, the character of Batman connects with me so much more. I'm, I'm a huge Batman fan though. Like, I'm a, like, I'm a, like a, not on a Kevin Smith level Batman fan, but I'm pretty close to it because like. I obsessed with the Batman thing. Like I love the shit out of it. So <laughs> it's yeah. just one of those things. And, and like, you know, I, I just reread year one uh, the other day and it just, yeah. I'm just in awe by its masterful, just the beauty of it. And then in the book that I have, it's uh, I'll post it up on the podcast for people that are interested. I'm starting to post up books that I'm into at the moment that I'm going through them, but there, there's, uh, there's an edition of it where there's, where David talks about the the artist uh, Mazzucchelli, I think his name is. Uh, he he talks about uh, the process and he shows his sketches, but then he also shows Frank's uh, really detailed script because Frank's already an artist too, you know. And so, yeah. and it's just yeah. God it, the way he articulates the panels and then David's um, he David goes back. I think he pulls a lot of muse from older comic book artists like the Golden Age yeah. stuff. 
but he has his own twist to it. It's just when I first read it when I was back like in the McFarlane time, I'm like, ah, it doesn't have enough detail, like it doesn't have all this shit going on. And I wanted that O C D style. And I didn't yeah. really appreciate it. But then uh but I was a big fan of uh, the Dark Knight Returns and stuff, and and oh, yeah. not not until now, until I'm 31, do I get, do I hold the the Dark Knight Year One, and I just go, this is a fucking masterpiece. This is just yeah. so good. It's just so good. Um, and yeah. I and I love that. I, lo- I love I love being an, an on, and, and but I also hate it too, though. So <laughs> I'm like, fuck. Yeah. Uh, the, the torch for me the, yeah for me the comic book films like they're not taking enough risks there's a lot of sort of formulas behind the films and that's what kind of frustrates me but yeah uh one of the, one of the ones that i thoroughly enjoyed which kind of didn't do well because it was ultra violent which was punisher Warzone. have you uh, seen I, it i've <laughs> never seen the movie i heard about it i love the comic book i want to direct i've been trying to pitch people to let me direct a punisher because i would make the fucking best punisher we've ever seen because <laughs> i love that character and i think nobody's done yeah. it correctly i think they <laughs> i would combine taxi driver with like apocalypse yeah. now and a couple that's other sweet. things that's the level yeah. i would go with it nice nice that's, that's I would, what he is you know so i would yeah i would watch the punisher war zone it was directed by check, uh, right? lexi lexi alexander directed it she uh she did green street hooligans which is a great film yeah that was but it's, it's it's super violent and it's super like it's just it's really really like just dark and just like i can't believe like they they made that film it was just so it's so amazing it's huh. so entertaining yeah, I'm gonna check it out then. Yeah, um, yeah. there's there's so many films. Uh, it's Punisher Warzone. Is that what it is? Yeah, Punisher Warzone, and it had um, uh, Ray Stevenson played the uh, Punisher. He's like uh, I think he's like Swedish or something, but he you know he only has like f- five lines in the film, or maybe <laughs> you know he literally probably had like one page of dialogue in the entire film, but. I don't think the Punisher needs. I don't think Frank Castle needs a lot to say. He lets his actions speak for him, for themselves. Sure, you know? sure. Which that makes sense. That's what I would do, anyways. You don't want them to. I mean, I guess you would want to get a little bit of understanding about them, but yeah, but yeah, I've been. It's shot though. You should you should watch it for the uh, the cinematography is really really awesome in it too. I mean, it's it's just a great comic book film. Yeah, I'll check that out because I really loved the comic growing up. Um, it was just really savage. I think there's, yeah, this, this comics. I just find it to be really interesting. Where if you look at everything, right, we grow up and and for me and you, it, like we grew up in this comic era and, and things. There's a lot more imagination. It feels there's a lot like going out and exploring the world. You know, get on your bike and like the world's kind of safer. There's a lot more exploration. Whereas now it's like everybody's on their screen and their computers and stuff. And yeah, yeah I kind of wish. Wish like uh, kids did that more often. Like I don't want my my son to to just be glued to a screen the entire his entire life. Like I do. do you remember just like your parents would just let you like oh, yeah. go off? And, like I would ride my bike for like two miles to get to the the convenience store that had Street Fighter Two and Garbage Pail Kids. You know? Yeah. yeah. No, I lived yeah. in Hawaii and there was just like you just my mom would work all the time, single mom, and you know it'd be like free for all so i would just go in the in the jungle and shit and just 
That's awesome. That was, well, it's a paradise. It's so amazing. But just like going and cruising around the lakes and just like just swimming and going to the beach and having barbecue and stuff. It's like, yeah, it was my childhood was like kind of like Mowgli, could be completely honest. Like it was just out in the in the wild and, and building yeah. like tree houses. And I want, that. I, want that for, I want that for my life and my son's life. We're talking about, we're considering maybe moving to Hawaii. I've got a good yeah. friend who. Uh, what, what island? I, Probably the main, you know, not, you know, like Oahu, probably not. Nah, um, it's too much city. It might as well be in the city. But the North Shore, though, the North Shore is dope. Sure. It's, I mean, I can't say anything. I'd live on any island, really. But, um, yeah, I'm, I I would move there in a heartbeat. It's just I'm stuck here in San Diego with the family and stuff. So, but, yeah, that's yeah. definitely, yeah, I'm going to Hawaii. <laughs> yeah. But you work from home and so do I. You can kind yeah. of do it from anywhere, honestly. And, oh, yeah, and, yeah. I think we're both kind of at that point in our career where, you know, I, you know, this is kind of a test for me and it's working out really well because, you know, I've been busier now than I've ever been, but, um, I think we could do it, man. I think, I think you could, there's there's artists that are out there that are like Craig Mullins, for example. I think he just moved from there, but yeah. And enough at the same time too. It's like, dude, I'm not trying to be a millionaire, you know, like it doesn't, I'm, it's pretty expensive to live in San Diego. It's probably the, just about the same in, in Hawaii as, as San Diego. Yeah. It's pretty close. And it's yeah. like, dude, I'm not trying to be a fucking millionaire. Like, it's, it's <laughs> you know, I don't have to work every freaking day if I do it smart, you know. Like, I can just make it happen. Yeah. So, yeah, absolutely. It's, I mean, if I if, if, if I can make it work, I would be out in Hawaii just fucking months ago. I'd be there already. It's just like, that's where I want to be because it's just, that place gives me the energy that, like, I love. Yeah. I want that distraction yeah, that's, that's too. Part wanna... of the thing for us moving to Austin was I wanted to to cut out the amount of days that I had to work. You know, I I, I did this whole like I, I made this whole plan like this is what we're, our bills are, this is what my rates are, this is like how many days I need to work minimum. This is the goal that I have to work so we can save up this much money to do this, this, and this. So I have like these like these these sort of goals planned out for the the time that we spent in Austin. We're kind of roughly thinking around four or five years here and then figuring out, is it Northern Cali? Is it Hawaii? Where, where's our next move? And, and that one will probably be more permanent, you know, depending on, you know, where we're at in our lives. But, um, you know, we, we've kind of done this whole thing. Like my whole career has been like kind of just figuring it out as I go. And I've never really like I never thought I would direct like live action, but I got to do that at the mill and it was, it was fun and exciting. And it was like this whole new tool that I got to play with um, and then sharpen this tool and add it to my toolbox to offer, you know, if, if the, the right projects come, come in, you know, and it's not like I, I ever sought out to be a live action director, nor do I, you know I mean? Um, <clears throat> but you know, it's like figuring things out, like where, where is my career going to go? Where are we going to live? Like, those are all things that I kind of like not knowing. Uh, I kind of like to have like an overall overarching kind of goal. Um, like I want to achieve this, this kind of thing. I want to do this, like a bucket list of projects that I want to do. Yeah. But like, I don't like necessarily say like, cause there's a lot of guys that I, I've come across in the industry where it's like, I've seen the trajectory of their career and, you know, guys who like were really great designers that just like, like I'm going to be a live action director. I'm going to be a live action director. And, and now <laughs> they're doing it. Some of them, some of them fizzled out and some of them like, you know, it's, it's so competitive. Some of them like Chris Hewitt. Yeah. Some of them like Chris Hewitt, he's doing a really great job, you know, and he was a really talented designer, 
Um, and if that's what you want to do, like, go for it. But like Joe Kaczynski and all these kind of guys, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Kaczynski was like, what an architecture, like sort of dude, engineer type guy. And yeah. And I was doing these like really awesome, beautiful, like sci-fi films, huge um, films, huge films, you know? Yeah. yeah. And, and I think for him, it was just like, he's got such, uh, an artist's eye, like his films are always going to be beautiful. Um, I hope the stories get a little bit better. Um, yeah. Yeah. If he could work with like, I would love to see him production design with like a, like a Paul Thomas Anderson or something. That'd be like, ah, oh, so awesome. That's kind of like yeah. what you get. That's what you get when you get like, uh, like her, like the film her. You know, like it's it's the uh, best of both like worlds. Spike you know, yeah, Spike Jones films are great. Yeah, um, he's got an interesting trajectory. He was a skater, you know, and he started yeah. doing skate films. And you know, you never like that's that's an example. You never know where your career is going to go. I don't think Spike Jones is doing these skate films thinking like one day I'm going to direct movies, you know, for Hollywood yeah. and work yeah. with Nick Cage. And I would love to work with Nick Cage. I fucking love that. <laughs> I just rewatched uh, Raising Arizona last weekend. I think oh, it's so much fun. So crazy. It's so crazy to see how different and 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 and, and adjusted and bigger like uh, the way that. Um, the Coen brothers make films now. Like if you watch that and then you watch uh, No Country for Old Men like right after one another, it's just such a stark difference. Oh, the styles are different, yeah. Yeah, but it's it's they're still both great in their own right, you know. Or even if, like just watch a Fargo, you know, like it's just it's it's really cool. Yeah, it's, it's, it's yeah. I mean, I know you love film. I, I do too, and I I assume that your sort of penultimate goal is to to direct a feature. I, I for me, I would love to make. A video game. Um, I would love to do video game. Yeah, uh, same like kind of small, a small independent video game, not like a big major sort of heavy hitting game. Because to me, like the heavy hitting games are starting to become like the you know major studio features. You know, they're sure. they're starting sure. to become a little formulaic. Um, they have to because so they're so big. Yeah, there's so many moving parts. Uh, I like I like I would love to do like a side scrolling like video game, but like that's in a really illustrative style that has a really good story and a lot of cool sort of like Easter eggs. And like, I, I love Mario brothers and I love, you know, Metroid and, and try to like bring the style and the charming style of Mario brothers, but like the, the way the levels were designed of Metroid and how you can kind of go back to levels. And so great. Yeah. Like I would love to kind of combine those two. And, and create like a some sort of video game, and you know, I that was one of the things that I used to do when I was a kid. I used to like make up my own video games. I draw my own maps. I had my own characters. Same. Like I had this one character called Munch, and it was before Yoshi. I made this character before Yoshi, and I got so excited when they introduced Yoshi. But he would eat Munch would eat something, and then take on the properties, the powers and properties of whatever he eats. Perfect. Uh, kind of like what what Yoshi does. Yoshi does so, yeah. Yeah, but I, I created this whole game, and the worlds were all made out of different foods. Um, <laughs> I, you know, I would. There's like, like Meat Boy, right? Meat Boy has some stuff like that. And have you have you also heard of a uh, Hyperlight Drifter? Have you heard of that game? No, I haven't heard of that. Oh, uh, you'll love that. I've actually had Alex Preston on because Alex Preston, I mentioned it quite a bit, but Alex Preston was a huge success on Kickstarter. He originally wanted like or needed like sixty five or fifty five thousand or something like that to get his game going and uh, yeah. he, he got awarded like six hundred and fifty thousand or something like that. Ooh, started a company and built it out. I think you'd really love it. It's definitely the style that I think you'd admire and check it out. Yeah. Hyperlight Drifter <laughs> Kickstarter and Alex Preston and he, we have a podcast with him. He's like one of the coolest dudes. He's so nice. Yeah. 
yeah. I think you'd really I think you'd really get a lot out of that because if you want to make a video game and you're seeing you, I think it would really inspire you because he's just a guy like us and he's very hardworking and he's really inspired by the things that he loves and he's just out there to make it happen and yeah, it yeah. Was, that was a that was one of my favorites because it's just really inspiring to see somebody just say you know what fuck it I'm just gonna go and do this like nobody's gonna hold me back from doing this you, you know I'm gonna yeah do I feel like the the thing that I need to kind of do and and you've kind of done it well over the last couple of years and I need to find this project that's going to put me in this other market like right now I, I've become pretty well known in the motion design industry but outside of that like I haven't you know I need something that's gonna propel me to where I can put a Kickstarter up and actually have the fan base to generate the uh, the amount of money that it would take to, to do a project like that because right now if I try to do it I you know I wouldn't be able to raise a ton of money the, you know like you never I know, know. You never know but yeah I know what you're saying you, you, you just know, need like, to uh, you just need to you need to find your love you know you just need to like find you that. like I look at guys like you and Bradley and uh, a, a friend of mine uh, David Lewandowski uh, and and Jake who's like guys if, when you guys work on these feature length films it just working on it automatically propels you to like this higher level of like, like accessibility for like people to know your work and put your work out in front of those people. And, and you instantly gain fans just because you have a built in audience for that. You know, and it's the same thing Absolutely. with like, yeah, you're just piggybacking fan, off that energy. Yeah. Fan art tributes to like a good, a, a, a buddy of mine, uh, Chris Lee, he does like these really great, like um, series of his take on the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and mm -hmm. uh, the different Marvel characters. And, and you already have does that. Yeah. yeah, like uh, Ollie Moss, who I know you, you've worked with. Uh, yeah, those guys, yeah, yeah. they take these intellectual properties that they don't own, but they somehow get away with taking it and putting a twist on it. <laughs> and they become like very, very successful and popular because of it. And then they, they make these books and then they, you know, they, they, have like a hundred thousand Twitter followers and et cetera, et cetera. It's crazy, yeah. Just get to that level. It's like you can you can say, hey, I'm gonna make a video game and I need uh, two hundred thousand dollars to do it. Here's a Kickstarter, and you you know your name is Ali Moss, and you have these books and everything, or Scott C or whoever it is, you know. And all of a sudden, you know, because of that that sort of fan the fan base that you already have, um, it's it makes it so much easier to 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 do those kinds of things. And I need. I need to come up with some project. I don't know what it is yet, but I need a project that is more accessible. Like most of my work comes from the commercial sector, and sure. and I think that's be, because of that. It's it's a bit detrimental to me doing what I really want to do, which is it's to not develop you, it's not your voice. Yeah, yeah. I want to develop intellectual property and 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 do do things that I have more ownership of. And that was like one of the things at the mill that I was getting a little frustrated with is that I wanted to develop these these internal projects and I could never get them going because of the, the nature of the machine there. Um, and everyone was excited to help me make them, but the reality is always kind of came and slapped me in the face and said, oh yeah, we're not gonna make this, you know. Like little tiny shorts, like I'm talking like a, a 30 second short that I wanted to do. Never, never got off the ground really. Um, and we're still trying, I left the mill and we're still trying to do it. Um, because we're just, you know, the guys that I've got on the team, we're just all wanting to finish it. And it's, you know, just something that we, we want to do. But we'll see if it ever, you know. 
you're, you're, yeah, you'll just have to earn that. You'll have to cut your teeth, you know, like make it happen, and you'll have to do it on your own steam. And, and once you do, then you're gonna earn it. You know, every every it's gonna be painful, but it'll be your thing, you know, and it's gonna be your baby. Yeah. And you know, but yeah, that, I think you're hitting it perfectly on the spot. I think it's smart of you to acknowledge and see, like you know, guys like Ollie and stuff. And that's what I really well, you, they, really inspired you did me too. The ghost in the shell, the ghost in the shell thing. I mean, you had the you worked on the features, and then you did the ghost in the shell tribute. Um, you, you definitely like have a taste in what you're interested in and you have a built-in fan base of people who share those interests. And, and I think that's smart, you know, it's very smart. Uh, it was never really planned. It was just kind of, that's how it is too. Which, which... Yeah. I don't think anybody ever really plans it. I think now people are starting to be more conscious of it and planning it. I think it has to come from the the place of love though. That was what Chris told me. He was like, you need to, you know, find something that comes from an authentic place of love, but, you know, but it also has to have some sort of built-in fan base, you know, whether it's, you know, an homage project or, a, you know, a, glor a glorified fan project. Those things are, are you know, they, they have a higher likelihood of be, being sort of propagated on the internet because, you know, of Reddit and certain blogs that, you know, that, that's what they post. They post up, oh, hey, look, somebody did another Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle. And, you know, you know, you get posts on the right blogs. and, and Yeah, it blows up and then your work spreads and stuff, yeah. And then it, it's, it's also really curious. It's interesting to see, like, where things go because, yeah, internet, internet celebrity is great, but it doesn't pay the bills. I just listened to a really great podcast. Uh, I'll have to mention it or bring it up in the things. I can't remember it off the top of my head. Somebody posted it and gave it to me, and it was about comics. It was a comic book thing. And it was these two guys that had some really good success off of making their own comics. Like one of them actually got like bought by like a or like I guess like um, a, a big Hollywood company bought out the rights to like kind of hold on to it to see if they can develop it for like a year yeah. or something. They just kind of sit on it. It's kind of part of a process. But anyways, they went from you know just kind of doing it by themselves, having a little ind independent blog, making it, and then their whole trials and tribulations of how they develop it and grew it, it was interesting. And one thing that they mentioned that I, I find to be very true is it's one thing to have, like, it's easy for somebody to, to click a mouse one time and, and like your thing. It's a whole other process when you actually ask them, hey, like, if you like it this much, it's going to cost you $20, $40, $50, you know? And, yeah. and, and that's really when you start to weed out whether people are really interested or not. And I think what happens is people go... Yeah, I have like a hundred thousand followers, and they're gonna blah blah blah. Okay, that's possible, but wh how many of that? Like, you gotta be realistic about how many of them are really gonna be willing to dish out the cash or whatever. You know, like they might be dealing with like paying their rent or something. You know, like you never know. And yeah. and and it's not like it's anything against anybody. It's just I think what it's something what I'm getting at is is being aware of the value of these things. And 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 I think your you said your friend Chris <laughs> mentioned you to to have it come from a place of love. I think yeah. that's all. That's all that matters, dude. You find you just go. I think you maybe you just take like a couple of days, go back and you're like. I was just having this conversation with a friend of mine. I was saying because he was totally burnt out, and I said, "Dude, take like a week off if you can, if you can afford it. Take a week off. Go back to everything that you found that you loved as a child, and go and just really just enjoy it again. I guarantee you, after that week, you'll find your purpose again. It'll give you. It'll give you your voice because." We are all products of our environment, right? Like we're, ideas don't come from, you know, thin air. They they came they come from everything that you consume. That's why I consume so much stuff because the ideas that come from that is just ridiculous, you know. And and so I think that really hard like harvesting that 
is really what will make you find that voice. At least that's what I think. That's what happened to me. And that's what's happened to like almost everybody that I've studied or re- read up on. It's all like the same kind of thing. It's yeah. just that love and it comes from their voice internally, whether it's good or bad, you know? So Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I totally, I totally feel like I'm, I'm, I'm so close to finding, I feel like the voice is starting to, to show in the work. Well, you're moving, you're freelancing like, now too. So yeah. 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 And you know, I freelanced for six years and when I first started freelancing, it was like, I was a generalist, you know, and back in like 2006, 2007, I was a generalist. I didn't really have an idea of what style I preferred and liked. It took, it took a couple of years. Like it was at motion theory, you know, I got, I got in with motion theory because I had very like effectsy looking stuff on my, on my portfolio site. It was very slick and glossy and, you know, lens flares and all of the stuff that were really cool <laughs> back then. And, uh, you know, I got booked with them and uh, really hit it off with those guys. There is a really great company that had a great, um, they just had a great energy there. Um, and this project came in and it was a very sort of cute little naive project. It's still on my website. It is for the Royal Bank of Canada. And it was a character, like a 2D character project. And at the end of it, we had so much fun and it was so simple and the process was very, very like lean, you know, the team was really lean. So like everyone like had a great time working with each other. And it was kind of like that moment where I was like, this is the kind of work that I like to do, you know, in the context of motion graphics and commercials, you know, I don't like, I, I, I still had to do, you know, the car, the slick car commercials and the spinning phones and et cetera, et cetera. (laughs) Like all that stuff I still was doing, but I, I made it a point to then go go and start doing personal projects on the side where I was really flexing a different style, uh, where the characters were simpler, um, the the worlds that they inhabited were simpler and cleaner. You know, because I'd always been drawn to certain artists like um, like Paul Rand and Sal Bass and Herb Lubalin and uh, you know guys like that from from like the mid century, uh, like that whole school of thought, like uh, UPA, which was a great influence on me. It's uh, it was an animation studio from the mid-century. They just did these amazing like animations from that time period that like looked like nothing else then and, and nothing else has ever looked like them since, really. Is and, that the Aladdin, the uh, puppet kind of thing? No. The ladies uh, that did that. They did, yeah, they had this book called uh, The Cartoon Modern, and it's it was just like this new sort of way of drawing a character, you know, instead of giving them very sort of realistic proportions. They started to exaggerate how big is the head and do they even need clothes? And, sure. and what if they were just one color, you know, like why do the characters have to look like real people? And like the they, started to, they started to abstract the image of a, of a person. And I think that was such a groundbreaking thing. And it, it came from the fine art world. You know, you saw it at the same time, like what Pablo Picasso was doing with, with cubism and how he's breaking up, you know, you know, a, a person, you know, in a still life, you know, like every, every artist was sort of challenging what an image could be and, and how readable it could be. And, and I think that was so amazing. And that sort of, I kind of dealt with that personally at a certain point in my artistic career, when I got into uh, like high school, you know, up until then middle school and even through the first couple of years of high school, I was drawing either from life or from photographs that I took. Um, and that's 
and it was very realistic. I, I, I could show, I'll share some of those earlier drawings with you. And I, uh, middle school and high school, the first couple of years, uh, colored pencils were my me medium of choice. And I would, I would draw very realistic. And then I got into scratchboard and I started doing scratchboard art and abstracting things a little bit. But then it was in, it wasn't until my senior year of high school where I was like challenging myself and like, I need to abstract more. I need to like really push my own sort of, idea of what an image could be and what what an image has to be and how it communicates. So I think that was what what was interesting then. And then when I got into commercials, it was, you know, it was at a time when like everyone was starting to get into really photorealistic CG and live action started to really take off in, in the motion graphic industry. So like everything had to be sort of grounded in a certain sort of reality. Um, and what drew, drew me into motion graphics was that it wasn't that, you know, but yeah. by the time I got into it and my career started to take off, it wasn't until that project with motion theory where I was like, oh, okay, so I can kind of do stuff like that, you know? Yeah, yeah, it just opens up possibilities, but I think you're onto another one right now. I think you're actually on the cusp of something. From what it sounds like from your career and what you've done and where you're at now, it sounds like you're on the cusp of combining all these really special things that I think are going to build out to something really special. Yeah. I think my work it's, it's, it's becoming more clearly defined as my work versus even like the commercial work that I'm doing, I'm putting more of myself into it versus like, uh, you know, I still try to do what I think is right for the client and right for the job, you know, but I think like Buck came to me because they wanted my personal input on things and my own vision and take on it. And I think a lot of companies are starting to do that. I actually, my first freelance job out of the gate after finishing up at the mill was with Shiloh and uh, it was with the New York office and, and I, it was a, a character project and it was so much fun and, and studios are starting to come to me for that versus, you know, when I was freelancing before the mill, which was like, they were coming to me just because they needed a designer and they needed, you know, and I was very, you know, like people relied on me because I, I would deliver a good frame. My boards won a lot of pitches and, and I was good with talking to clients if they needed me to do that. So, I mean, I, now it's like my goal is to continue to develop my style and my voice and, and to find those projects that are going to allow me to, to do things that are more personal. Yeah. You just you gotta, that's, those are, those are after hours tasks, you know, like, Oh, totally. Yeah. You just keep developing that, keep building it, keep, you know, polishing it and shining it yeah. in between bookings and whatnot. Yeah, of course. And since you're, we're freelance, you can really, you know, like, okay, I'm, I'm going to get up earlier, like an hour and I'm going to spend an hour on this. And, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, cause it's like, yeah, like I could get, like we were mentioning, I could, I work in four hour stints. So I'll, I'll, I'll work on a two, four hour stints and then the rest of it's for other things, you know? Yeah. Um, Damn, this is great. I, I really want to, I have to get going, but I, I want to maybe, maybe we could do a part two um, if you're up for it. It'd be really fun. And, and maybe perhaps like when you get to a place where, um, I don't know, you'd come on anytime, but if you get to a place where, you know, you got a Kickstarter going on or something and, you know, you want to kind of let people in on this window, of what you're building out and um, yeah. we can, if we could somehow support that. And, uh, and before I get off too, I wanted to ask and see if you're a fan of like the old film, The Point. It's one of my favorites from my childhood and your art and the way, the things that you create remind me of that. The Point. Yeah. It had like um, the Beatles, I think, did the soundtrack for it. It's very old. It's very good. Old school uh, style though. 
I'll have to look into that. I've actually never heard of it. Wow, really? That's crazy. Uh, I'll send you a link to it. Um, yeah. It's an old animation. Um, I think it's even on, I just, yeah, it's it's on, it's narrated by Ringo Starr. Um, it's like a film that I watched as a kid growing up. I'm sending you the link right now. Oh, I can't um, wait to see it. I can't wait to see it. I think you really love it. I think it's right. This might be like, you know, this thing that really sets you over the edge and, and buy it on DVD because I think the link I sent you, the quality's not so good. But um, it's just got like, I think it's got like Beatles, it's like the music for it. And it's, it's got it. just a really wonderful narrative about, you know, it's just it was one of those things that, I don't know, I, I always remember from my childhood so check it out but um dude thank you so much for coming on i really appreciate it i know it's been a, it's been a year in the making so i yeah. really appreciate it. i know you've been busy and you know you got your, your new baby and everything and, yeah, and yeah. we didn't even talk about a lot of things that i wanted to which is like work-life balance and all that stuff so we should definitely do a part two you just let me know when, when you have time we'll make yeah, it happen whenever you want to do it uh you know i would love to continue the conversation i, I think we you know we had a great, great talk and I would love to, to hash out some more, some more stuff. You know I mean? Um, it was an honor, you know, thank you for, for making it happen. And I, I love, I love the podcast. I, I listen to, I, I've been listening to all the episodes, not in order so much, but like I got it on SoundCloud and you know, I'm going to listen to Patrick Clare today and awesome. can't to hear, I can't wait to hear what he has to say about the process of working on. He's a great one. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I love what he's doing and he's doing great stuff, but yeah, I, I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm thankful, you know, that 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 I, I got a chance to do this. It was great. Thank you so Dude, much, so man. Fresh. I appreciate it. And we'll, we'll do part two soon, okay? And for everybody that's interested, we'll have all links to your work and everything. So Yeah, yeah. yeah check yeah. it out. Appreciate it. Excellent. Well, have a great day, man. And uh, hopefully we'll meet in the in, in the physical form at some point yeah, down the line. Yeah, if you're ever down in Texas, let me know. I'll, I want to. My wife, my wife loves take, football, so. Yeah, I'll take you to get the, the real barbecue and... Oh, yeah. uh, the best tacos that you've ever had. I mean, I'm oh, telling you, they're, they're amazing. Here. San Diego, we put it, we put it on the map, so we'll see. Oh, fish tacos there, but here you'll get some amazing, um, like, like Migas tacos, breakfast tacos, uh, carnitas. Man, it's it's so good here. Oh man, I, okay, I'm, I got to make a trip out there, and all the all my Hamondo homies and all the art dudes are all out there too. So yeah, I hear it's a, it's really awesome out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll Anyways, make it out there. Yeah, I don't want to keep you keep you any longer, but thank thanks again, man. This is, yeah. this is great. It's been fun. Thank you. Have a great day, and uh, yeah, we'll chat soon. You too, Ash. Talk to you later. See ya. Bye.